Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, November 30th. We are here live. It is time for Destination Health. Lauren is here with me. We're also starting off with a guest today, a returning guest, Forrest Pritchard. We'll be talking about farming and food and all kinds of crazy stuff. So uh, I'm not going to take any time on an open today. I'm going to bring Lauren in with me. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. So we have got to be here. Yeah, we've got a great guest today. He's coming back. It's been a while since we've had him on, but this was... uh, his book, Gaining Ground, was one of the first books I read about farming, boy, a long time ago, before we were even really doing the health thing, or maybe right at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. The, I, the book was recommended by Matt. I don't know that I would have ever found it on my own, but just, a, just an amazing book. Uh, the story of their seventh or eighth generation on the farm. Um, and then how he converted it to, you know, grass-fed regenerative and the stories of going out to the farmer's market. So just really interesting stuff. So I think we should probably just bring him in and get started. Love it. Let's do it. All right. Let's. All right. Forrest, good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Great to and have who, you who back. Who am I else am I speaking with? Lauren is here with us. She, Hi, uh, Forrest. I'm- yeah, Lauren is a uh, a nutritional health practitioner. She does all of our one-on-ones with our clients. Terrific. Well, good morning, Lauren. I'm sure I'll learn a lot from you this morning. <laughs> well, I'm learning. I'm excited to learn more from you for it. <laughs> Terrific. Terrific. Well, Kevin, how have you been? It's been it's been uh, since COVID, I think. I was just trying. I was just asking somebody March 18th of 2020. Boy, that's right when we were learning wow. the word COVID just about, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Boy, we've all grown and uh, and learned a lot about ourselves and, and our world since then. My goodness. Well, you are going yeah. to be maybe interested in what I did right around that time. Um, you know, they were locking things down. Nobody was going anywhere. Um, I started thinking, boy, you know, what am I going to do all summer? And I thought, right. why not really work on a garden? So I had, I've wanted to be a gardener my whole life. I love food. I love cooking. Wow. I love fresh food. And I would kind of make these attempts at it every year, like a lot of people do. You know, you, you see all the new plants are out in the spring. So you buy a bunch and you throw them in the ground and you get, you know, four tomatoes sure. and three peppers and you fight bugs and you, you kind of give up on it. I kept thinking, well, I just, I just don't have a green thumb. This isn't for me. But I always wanted it. So I kept trying. And I've moved around the country. I tried in Florida. That was a disaster. Boy, talk about bugs. Um, you, need, right. you need a shotgun to take care of the bugs down there. So I thought, why don't I just really, really give this a good, solid attempt? Nothing else to do this summer. So the first thing I did because I wanted some activity, I tore out about half my lawn by hand. Um, about halfway through that job, I thought I really should have rented a sod cutter. Um, that was a lot wow, of that's work. Like doing, that's like doing like a CrossFit workout. Oh, yeah, you ain't kidding. <laughs> that is a lot of work. So I tore that out and got started. And 
I had so much fun with the garden that summer and, and really started to learn some things. And I figured I'm not just going to buy plants and throw them in the ground. I'm actually going to go try to learn something. I went back to your book, which I had read way back when. Um, and then that garden went so well, I bought a lot next to me and turned the whole lot into wow. a garden. My neighbors call it a mini farm. Um, so the last couple well, of years, basically, well, <laughs> since we talked, gardening has become like, my number one hobby now. I cannot believe how much time Incredible. I spend on gardening. I'm still processing peppers from the garden this year. I had so many, like 60 pounds of peppers. So, that, so let me do the math on that. That's more than three peppers that you previously had. If, <laughs> exactly. if my math checks out. <laughs> I think your math is probably correct. Yeah. Um, just incredible. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I really got into this whole regenerative and soil and i'm just blown away by how much you can do once you start learning this stuff you know before where you know i I might have a plant that would struggle and i'd get a little bit at the end you know this past year i just had big healthy thriving plants just putting out all kinds of produce right i mean it's contagious right and in the best in the best it's the best kind of contagious um and you can hear it in your voice i mean like you can't mask the enthusiasm of like investing in what, like nature yeah. and like seeing yeah. like nature respond to your energy. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, uh, the, it, it's spiritual on, it, on so many levels. You know, I really think it is, and and it's um, like I said, I spend. It's not unusual for me during the summer to spend eight or ten hours out there all day. And it's not that big, yeah, yeah. but there's always something you can do. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's, you know, 10 hours in the garden is like a equivalent of like one hour with a yeah. professional therapist. Yeah. And a lot cheaper. And it, uh, it, it costs, it costs a lot less. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and you get to, you get to eat, eat the rewards. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the no. best yeah. part. This, the, the, I mean, crop we had this last year and you know what we there's two of us here and a dog um but the other beauty of this i live in a small town we have a food bank here um we have pretty high unemployment in the air beautiful beautiful place to live um so we probably give away 70 percent of what we produce or close to it you know we i i I took this approach on food, the stuff we're growing in the garden, kind of the way I've always approached money. I've always said with with money, I want to give some away, save some, and spend some. And we do the same thing with food. We we give it away, we save some and preserve it, and we eat some. And it just seems it was just uh, amazing. Well, I mean, that in a nutshell is approaching life through a, a, a Uh, the optics of abundance versus scarcity. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, you've you've said the word regenerative uh, several times. And like, I would bet if we got a time machine and went back to pre, you know, pre COVID regenerative might, we might've been talking about sustainable. We might've been talking about organic. Right. But regenerative is a really important word. It's like a, uh, it's like kind of like a core uh, concept to say like, okay, well we can, go organic and that's kind of uh, like an operating system versus, you know, in contrast to conventional, we're talking about like synthetic sprays and herbicides and pesticides and commercial fertilizers and things like that, just for context. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just, it's a different operating system. 
And then we can say, well, we could be sustainable, which means we're trying to put in inputs and, you know, utilize sunshine, photosynthesis, you know, carbon sequestration, all these things to kind of like stabilize our system. So what we put in, we get out. But then you keep using this word, and I love it, and it's kind of a transformative word. It's regenerative. And if your listeners know about Gestalt theory, Gestalt basically says one plus one equals three sometimes <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. right and we've all right. we, we've all felt this like the sum of the the sum of the parts the t- you know the sum of the parts is is more is mysteriously more than what we put into it and that's the real promise of what you've started to experience so i'd love to hear more about that from you yeah you know it's interesting as you were explaining that even the feeling of the word sustainable almost seems like a struggle like you're constantly right. working to sustain something and just stay in the same place is what that almost sounds like. Whereas regenerative seems right. like you, you know, you, you do some things right. And then you kind of let nature take over and it, and it, it's not a right. struggle and you're not staying in one place. I, I am just blown away by how much you can change the soil. And, and I, I, I'm using Absolutely. things like cover cropping and, you know, using a lot of composting and straw, never leaving the ground bare. I mean, I kind of had a practice yeah. this year. Every time I'd pull up a plant or harvest something, I'd stick bees or beans or peas back in the ground. Right, as a legume to put nitrogen back in, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, mm-hmm. when the season's over, I, I throw a cover crop on everything and... Um, you know, I was doing some experimenting, growing some things in hay bales. That was kind of crazy. I had a lot of success with certain plants and hay bales. And then, you know, just spread that all over the soil when I'm done with them. Um, I don't know if you've ever been turned on to Ruth Stout. Uh, have you ever, does that name, name ring a bell, Ruth Stout? No, it doesn't. Your, your listeners can go on to YouTube. You, she, so she kind of pioneered this idea of hay bale cover cropping. Um, and there's some fascinating, but she died mm, probably like 1982 or something. Wow. But somebody had the forethought and vision to video her. And she is the most fascinating, charismatic, old, 90-year-old lady really? uh, walking around in her garden in you know, 1979. So her, it's a S-T-O-U-T or S-T-O-U-D-T. But if you look up Ruth Stout, okay. uh, the, some of the videos, they're just the most compelling things you could watch. But basically, and you know, make no mistake, Kevin, you were like saying earlier in Florida, you were like on sandy soil, you know, with presumably, you know, all sorts of, you know, so you can't like build, yes, you can, you can bring in dump trucks of soil on sandy soil and like manufacture soil. But I'm guessing, I don't, I don't need to know where you are now, but I'm guessing you're not in Florida anymore. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so. I am. (laughs) Right. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, you got, you got your challenges. Yeah, I'm yeah actually we definitely in a, do. Uh, we have a small... Oh, go ahead, Lauren. Oh, sorry. We have a small um, family cattle ranch with like 300 head in Okeechobee, and it it definitely is a challenge, that's for sure. Of course. Of course. Yeah, you, you've got your own uh, special uh, modifications that you need to make because your soil is going to have like much more porosity uh, your cation exchange is going to be like super wonky compared to the clay soils that I've got here in the Shando Valley of Virginia, West Virginia, where I am. So, uh, you know, knowledge is power when it comes to all that stuff and having reasonable expectations. You know, we can move the needle very slowly, 
we can get to sustainable and then move the needle into regenerative, you know, but what you can accomplish in Florida and what I can accomplish in Virginia or wherever Kevin is, is, pro- is likely to be radically different results. <laughs> and, we, I, and, I, and we need to be honest with Yeah, absolutely. I'm in this weird little microclimate now. I'm in the Columbia River Gorge right on the border of Oregon and Washington. And even though I'm this far north, um, when I go look up my growing zone, they can't decide whether it's 8A or 8B. Uh, It's such a weird, we're really mild. So we we get that, you know, 8, but we're pretty far north. So, you know, the, the summer starts shortening pretty quickly. So the, it's kind of weird. You know, I think most zone eights are down in like Arizona and Texas, aren't they? Where it's really pretty. Yeah, I think so. So we're in this weird, in fact, a, a lot of times I've had to just figure out how and when I can grow things because nothing seems to make sense in this area. So much so that right where I am in a little town called Cascade Locks, if I go 20 minutes in either direction, the weather changes and sometimes pretty dramatically. Yeah. But sure. <laughs> it's uh, really mild. Um, lots and lots of sunshine in the summer. Um, no water whatsoever. So I do have to irrigate because we get all of our rain in the winter and nothing in the summer. I mean, there are summers we go a hundred days with no rain at all. And you got and you got the forest fires up there probably too. Yeah, that big fire a couple of years ago started. We watched it start. I mean, it yeah. was you know a couple of miles right. away from us in the backyard. You could see it, and we watched it for weeks while the town was closed down. So it's a, uh, but um, mm. really other than you know kind of the weird climate and the the low rain in the summer, um, it really is a great yeah. place to grow. I mean, it, it, most years I it's bet. a pretty long season. I don't, you know, one of the things I'm having a lot of fun with, um, you know, in the beginning, and, and I've learned this now, if the soil isn't really healthy, the plant may grow, but those plants are much more susceptible to disease and bugs and all kinds of things. And, and I never realized that yeah. it, it should make sense. I mean, we know as human beings, the healthier we are, the less we would have to worry about pathogens and viruses and bacteria. We, we build up an immune system. And I never realized kind of the same thing with plants. If, if they are nice and healthy, yeah. the bugs won't, even though the bug might be there, it won't attack the plant. Right. And, and Lauren can certainly chime in on, on a lot of the nutritional aspects, but uh, that extends into an ecosystem because if you're promoting not only the plant health and the soil health, and you're allowing uh, what some people call weeds as opportunistic regenerative farmers. I call them forbs. Um, it's just it's just a different way of looking at a weed. Uh, you allow the ecosystem to express itself, and you get predator prey relationships. So you don't have a monoculture where a bunch of you know potato beetles come in, and there's no uh, birds not to eat them. I'm just pick, I'm just picking right. out a random predator. I don't know if yeah. birds eat beetles. <laughs> because because you didn't like you decided to clear cut all the trees around there yeah. you know, instead of operating mm-hmm. within riparian buffers and natural uh, 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 wildlife buffers, for example. And you're like, well, why do I have all these parasites? Uh, well, I've got no, I've discouraged any predators from being here. Maybe because I mow my lawn down to yeah, you right. know, a quarter of an inch three times a week, and there's nothing, <laughs> there's nowhere for anything to hide other than the pest. 
you know? Yeah, good good point. It's all, it's all such a dance, yeah. Yeah, so I, I actually started bringing in insects. So okay. I, I've got a little army of insects, and I, I um, have really set up the environment and brought in some um, mason bees and some leafcutter bees, and I'm really hoping those kind of take. You know, last year is the first year I brought them in in the spring, uh, and I built, you know, habitats and I'm hoping the, though that was a, another thing that was incredible the year before, as I was starting to get the soil healthy, I noticed that a lot of my plants were blooming a lot more I had a lot more blooms, but it That's didn't it. necessarily right. turn into fruit or produce. And I thought, well, what's going on? And then this past spring, I brought in all the bees and the, the plants just exploded with produce. Yeah. Yeah, well, the plant, the plants are sitting there. You know, it's like a, it's a chain reaction. You know, the plants are waiting on the pollinators. Well, guess what? If there's no pollinators, they're not going to get pollinated. Right. You know, I mean, it's like right. it's pretty academic. Yeah. So, uh, and like, and why does that happen? You know, we can go down a, a bunch of different rabbit holes on that. But you know, basically, we discourage the the habitat habitat for pollinators. Right. But again, getting back to regenerative agriculture, you know, we can we can tweak these systems, uh, you know, from, from a human standpoint and incorporate, you know, a holistic result. Um, you know, we've got like, for example, honeybees on our farm. We keep, you know, there's a mysterious, everybody's got a hundred different opinions <laughs> why there's colony collapse, you know, yeah. but, uh, we keep, we, at some point you just have to keep priming the pump and, and keep increase and in, uh, making the habitat and the ecosystem, uh, healthy. And it should stabilize. You get to you get to sustainable before you get to regenerative. Got it. And uh, that that's just the way sense. it has to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's just it's it's so fascinating to to watch all this and then see the difference and and what we've done to farming. I mean, we should probably come up with some new word. I don't even think we should call it farming. Um, it, it's so <laughs> totally opposite of. Uh, what really works and, and, you know, again, sustainable sounds nice, but regenerative really is the goal. One, and I have a, I want to come back to that topic. Um, I've got some notes here. I want to, just because of what's going on in the world right now. So I do want to come back to that, but before we do I have a couple other things I wanted to cover. Um, when I read your first book, just an amazing book. Um, I highly recommend people, get that book gaining ground was um the first one i read and at the time i doubt that i would have ever found the book i mean i wasn't really looking for a book on farming um one of my listeners actually um you just spoke to his wife our call screener um one of our listeners recommended the book to me and i thought oh yeah that sounds good so i read it i was just blown away by all the the history but more so about your struggles in the beginning and the, the farmer's markets. And, you know, I remember those stories and how hard you were working and everything you put into that. And I just read something um, this week on your website that I didn't know about your food truck business. Okay. What a great story. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we are always looking for ways to, um, provide service like everything that we do is intended to kind of be a Venn diagram of like, can we grow it? Can we uh, continue to grow it? And how can we serve the community? You know, and ultimately uh, providing like, you know, 
food on a bun is a great way to serve the community. It makes people happy. It's convenient. Uh, and it puts smiles on faces. And so, yeah, we uh, started with the food truck probably a little precociously uh, around like 2010, maybe a little, not, not the first flap of the butterfly wings, but an early, early adopter. And that taught us, we had wonderful experience with that. Um, and that taught us that we liked that. And consequently, uh, you know, um, 2021 last year, we opened Homespun, uh, which is the um, farm table restaurant in our hometown. So that's really what I've been up to. That's the secret. The ah. secret uh, thing I've been doing uh, when, when you weren't looking for the past two years is Excellent. starting a farm table restaurant wow. in our Love little hometown. Yeah. But it all started with, it all started with the vibes, vibes of the food truck, you know, and, and see, just seeing that translation of farm to table food and watching, I would, I would literally kind of secretly watch people as they walked away and bit into the food and watch their facial expression. I'll and bet. it was always fascinating to see them their faces just like light up and they would, they would like nod to themselves, like subconsciously, like, mm, like this is really good. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> That's great. You know, like, like candid camera kind of thing. Yeah. So really, really wonderful. Yeah. So the, the, the story, um, have you ever read Seth Godin? Um, uh, certainly along the way, but, uh, no, nothing springing to mind. Okay. Um, he said, he was one of the really, really early marketers that that was. Uh, he was like okay. one of the early founders in AOL, I think. I mean, he was really into the yeah, internet early, and then really specialized in kind of that marketing. But he took a very different approach from the shotgun. Oh, look, we can email a million people with one click. Um, his approach was you right. you build a tribe one person at a time, and his 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 philosophy was really, look, if you could find a thousand people who really like what you do, you can build a pretty nice living and, and really serve people, you know, in a, in a meaningful way. He said, you, you don't need huge numbers. You need really loyal people that love what you do. So you got to find something you do really well. Um, so that's kind of his whole mantra and it's just really good stuff. But he had one book that he wrote. He's got lots of books. Uh, called the dip, sure. And your yeah. food truck business is such a perfect example of this. He talks about you know uh, it's about any big project or you know any big undertaking we would take on in life. And he talks about how in the beginning you have all this excitement and the momentum, and you know you're just really pouring everything into it. And then at some point in that project, you're going to hit the dip. This is where the work gets really hard. You're not as excited anymore. You're not even really sure if this is going to succeed. And you have to make a decision at that point. Are you going to push through or have you decided this really isn't worth um, pursuing for whatever reason? Maybe there isn't a big enough market for it or maybe it's too much work. Um, so when I read your story about this, it seemed like, and the failure that most people make, they either give up at that point because it's just too much work and they don't even know the potential yet, or they continue to push through when they really shouldn't. 
So it's like either Mm. way, people almost always do the wrong thing. And you are such a great example of doing Mm -hmm. the right thing. You were successful. You Mm -hmm. didn't quit because you were failing. Yeah, well, I I, I see that's a leading leading statement. Yeah, I mean, and uh, make sure that your your listeners understand. uh, I I no longer have a food truck, uh, but I I have a restaurant. Yeah, uh, is the long ellipses uh, (laughs) between like that connect that connecting threads. So, I mean, I'm listening. I'm mostly listening with rapt attention because this is all deeply fascinating to me. I've not read his books, but that speaks to me very deeply. So, like. Uh, like what's the motivating factor? Like I, to, to, to make something, uh, give something longevity beyond our personal, you know, there's, uh, uh, Alan Watt says there's no, uh, uh, peaks without troughs. You know, there's no light without dark, you know, you're gonna, these things are gonna, you're gonna experience these things. There's going to be, uh, excitement and there's going to be, uh, doubt and uncertainty about things. So like, what's the motivating factor? It's like, uh, is this for me, the Venn diagram is kind of like, is this going to be supportive of our farm? Can we supply it? And are we going to provide a great product to the community? The externality for me, so your listeners understand is, uh, I went through a series of managers where like from a, mm, it's like spiritual isn't too strong of a word. Uh, there was just like a disconnect between like, um, uh, trying to like, uh, keep the mission going and being like, Oh, I, I'm going to, I just don't want to do that today. Like, so right. we're going to just like take the day off. Or yeah, right. like that. And that's just like, that, like, that's like, I take that for granted on the farm. Like the show must go off. Yeah, you know? Right. Um, yeah. so uh, eventually it became an issue of like temperament and inter- intersection with different personalities. It's like, it's a relationship just like anything else. You know, how do you cultivate, uh, finding, uh, the right people. Well, like you pay them like a living wage and like you walk into the business and you're very excited and you ask them how their families are and like get to know them personally. And, um, you support them, you give them creative liberty and you operate in a supportive capacity. And once all those things started to fall into place, I was like, well, we should have, we don't need a food truck. We should take this empty building in main street, Berryville, Virginia, that's been vacant since 1994. Wow! And like revitalized. Wow! Um, so that's that's what that's what I've been up to since we last spoke. How exciting! Frankly, it took cool. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it is exciting. and rewarding. Yeah, rewarding. it's been lovely. So, I I yeah. based on what I've been reading about you this week and what you just told me, I have a new uh, addition to my bucket list. I want to come and eat at your restaurant and stay at the B and B. Oh, good. Good. Well, I'll put a sign up that says Kevin eats free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, one more thing real quick while we're on this, then I want to get onto some uh, maybe some bigger topics. One of the um, posts I read of yours that I thought was just really interesting was the uh, four questions never to ask at a farmer's market. I just loved that. Right. Well, um, yeah. And, and to be sure, uh, you try to put out content that seems interesting and you have alluded to it several times. Like you would never would have read a, a farming book. Right. And you go on Amazon and, and like half the reviews are like, quote, I never would have read a farming book, but this, you know, <laughs> right. um, so there's like something about it. 
so as like a as a farmer, like how do you put out content that's going to like try to intrigue people? And uh, there's something always very compelling uh, about human psychology to want to know not what to do uh, about things. So um, yeah, so I put out a list of, of things. Uh, some of them were a little cheeky, and some of them were right. pragmatic. Right. Um, but like one of them is like. The, like the question I always get is like, what time do you wait? Oh, you're fine. What time do you wake up? <laughs> and there's like, there's literally no, there's, there's no right answer for this because I would prefer to sleep. If I've been working hard, like anybody, I would prefer to sleep till like nine, 10 o'clock in the right. morning. Like rest, right. like if I'm like the authentic, like restorative sleep that I need. But if you say that, then everybody's like, what are you talking about? Like I'm up at seven. <laughs> <laughs> if you say like if you say like three in the morning, like dairy farmers, a lot of dairy farmers who milk have yeah. to be up at like three, two, two, three, bonkers. Uh, then you're like, oh my god, how can you like get up that early? It's like the only right answer is like four. I think I said four in the morning is like or four right. thirty in the morning. That is the only right answer because people can wrap their minds around like, yes, that is extremely early, but it's also not like crazy early. And I don't know anything about farming, but yes, that feels right. <laughs> First off, the whole the whole thing, the question, it were they were just really intriguing, like you said, a little cheeky sometimes. That one was hilarious, and that one resonated with me because you're right. In the in the article, it says four thirty, and I have said forever. Okay. Um, I've been working on sleep issues for the last year or so. My sleep got totally screwed up, uh, and I was having a really mm-hmm a real struggle with it. Everything else about my health has just been transformed with food and all the other things we do here. And my sleep got all screwed up. So I was working on it and I kept saying my ideal schedule is to go to bed at like eight 30 at night, read for a half hour to an hour, fall asleep and wake up at four 30. That that's like the golden hour for me. I get all kinds of work done. It's there's something you used the word. It's almost spiritual for me in the morning. It's quiet. Nobody right. bothers me. Right. I can get so much work done before everything else starts for the day. So when I read 430 was the, the only right answer, I thought, well, that, that works for me. I love that time. Yeah. Well, maybe I, 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 I tapped into a zeitgeist there. I, I didn't mean. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, this was about four questions not to ask at a farmer's market. If you had to guess how many hours have you spent at farmer's markets oh i mean many thousands yeah it's Uh, probably too big of a number to fathom yeah i mean for for perspective i mean i'm I'm 48 uh i started doing farmer's markets well uh, to to go way back i started doing farmer's markets when i was 16 wow but uh i did farmer's markets every weekend uh two twice Saturday, Sunday, 52 weeks a year for essentially like 20, 20, wow. four years or something like that. I've only, I've only recently wow. backed out of it. Um, and it's all been, it's been mostly lovely. Uh, energetically, it's, you know, you, you have to, uh, like going to the gym, you hit, you hit a ceiling <laughs> and you burn out and yeah. you know, you kind of got to go to, to a nutritionist and, and, uh, kind of build, build the core again. But there um, you go. Um, yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean, uh, unfathomable hours, but but certainly quantifiable if I had a pencil and a paper. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, you're right. You could probably come close, but we'd all look at that number and not even be able to imagine, you know, what that's like to spend yeah. that much time um, over that many years. Uh, the other question I just, as soon as I I uh, 
read the question with all the gardening I've been doing, I just laughed. Like the question was this picked this morning. I just thought that wouldn't just really struck me as funny. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think it's a, I think, you know, you have compassion and we're all humans. And, uh, I look at it through a filter of like sweet naivete. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, was it like, was it picked this morning? Like, like, no, it's like, <laughs> you're asking me this question at seven, at seven o'clock in the morning. Like I had to like have gone to bed. I had to have like woken up. I had to have like manifested this entire <laughs> pop-up of like e- extraordinary abundance. Like this all had, must've taken time. And now I'm like checking my watch and it's like seven Oh eight in the morning. Like I picked it like yesterday evening and it's, right. it's like, it's ordinarily <laughs> fresh. And it's wonderful. <laughs> and like, please don't discount uh, the fact that it's like got picked eight hours ago instead of two hours ago. You know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you're right. You, you know, we, of course, if we're going to a farmer's market, we're excited. We want things that are really fresh, but we need to put it into a little perspective. How old is most of the produce sitting in the grocery store today? Oh yeah. 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 That's shelf life and stability and, and all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, make no mistake. Uh, when you uh, typically when you go to a farmer's market and you look that farmer, you know, across across the table, you are in ninety nine point nine percent chance you are getting the freshest produce uh, available outside of, as you guys know, growing it yourself. Right, and you've always got that choice. Right. <laughs> yeah, some of some of my stuff is is about ten minutes off the vine when we're eating it. Sure. Sure. And that's, that's transformative, but it's not pragmatic from yeah, a, right. a supply and demand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unless you can turn your whole farm into a U-pick, and that's not very practical. So, uh, Yeah, grow it on the back of a trailer that you drag the farmer's market. Oh, oh I yeah. see. You have exactly. been thinking about this. Oh, I try not to think about anything, man. I've had too many ideas. Yeah. Too many ideas. Yeah. So let's um, let's get on to something uh, – uh, little deeper, maybe a little more serious. This is fun, but, um, there's a lot going on. You know, we are, we're really into the nutrition side of things for us. Wednesdays is that's destination health day. That's all we talk about is, is health. And we've, we really try to keep expanding that in the beginning. It was, you know, look, you just got to cut out all the processed and junk food and you got to start eating more real food. And we've progressed beyond that. And, you know, we talk about where the food comes from. And now there's this, like almost everything in our society anymore, there's this debate and there's two sides and nobody wants to give an inch on anything. Um, But this debate between, Mm. you know, all this farming of animals is killing our environment and we have to switch to all this plant-based diet. And there's so much to unpack in that. But to let you know, um, with our tribe, one of the most successful dietary interventions we've found is carnivore. The more plants we take out of somebody's diet, the better results we're getting. Now, at some point, we can get them metabolically healthy again, and then you can go back to more variety. So, but we've really found it, and, and 
we're certainly not the only practitioner. The the carnivore keto thing is um, really a big part. Uh, we have cardiologists who come on now who who promote this um, because they get it. They they see the results. But this move towards everything being plant based and their justification one they claim it's healthier for us. It's really not. We do need a lot of animal products in our diet, but that it's so much healthier for the environment. Um, and, mm. you know, the, most of this stuff is being all monocropped. You know, even these, the, mm-hmm. the, the stuff they're growing to create these meats that aren't really meats, um, those are all right. plant-based. So what are your thoughts on this? I mean, this, like I said, there, there's so many directions we could go on this, but um, that seems right. to be this big so fight now. So we've got about six or seven hours to talk about this, right? Yeah, right, so exactly. Eight o'clock <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. So, uh, like, uh, backing up, if you can just give me, like, 90 seconds to sure. kind of unpack a few thoughts. Yeah. I mean, look, I tell my son, my son's 17 years old, and I tell him the uh, the hardest thing to do, you talk about people being binary and, like, saying it has to be decided at that time. I tell him the hardest thing to find in a crisis is someone remaining calm. Okay. Good point. Something terrible is going down and everybody's panicking and to have, you know, uh, raised uh, awareness and a raised consciousness. Oh, I don't want to, you know, run into the burning building or so, but to remain calm, to look around, see where the help needs to be to have that clarity. And, and I'm you, as you probably noticed, I'm not on social media. I couldn't, I couldn't care less about, uh, uh, getting more followers, uh, any of this stuff. And so it, and part, a big part of that is, is because it's so radically uh, binary. Yes. So this is all, uh, I'm getting to a point really quickly of trying to remain calm, clear-eyed. Eckhart Tolle, Eckhart Tolle, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, says uh, it's like a mm, alert, uh, alert calmness. Okay, it, he talks right. about that a lot, being alert and calm. Yep. Right? And that's how I look at food. Okay, and that's all this context to say, like, Kevin, uh, Lauren, how in the world, like, did we get here for, like, hundreds of thousands of years <sighs> as humans with, without our veggie burgers or, like, <laughs> right. uh, impossible whoppers? Yeah. Or, like, how did we do it? Yeah. You know, like, how did topsoils in the, in the Great Plains get 30 feet deep uh, before we, they all blew, all the Great Dust Bowl blew them uh, literally all the way to Washington, D.C.? Um, and as an aside, as a quick aside, uh, policymakers in the 1930s were not going to change anything until literally soil blew like 2,000 miles to Washington D.C. and turned the sky black wow. above Washington D.C. And then they all said, "Hmm, maybe we've got a problem here." <laughs> that's, a, that's like it. That's that's not like apocryphal. Like that happened. Right. Okay. So a question, is, and I'm couching it with humor, is like, how can we like find a center in all this and kind of look out with like a, you know, like an, an additional eye to be like, okay, uh, we're taking corn and soybeans, which seems like food. And I'm not here to like, you know, castigate or say, you know, right. I'm sure right. a lot of your listeners like derive their income from, from trucking livestock. And all that. So it is what it is. It, it is an, it is an option. And it, it frankly, to be clear, it's like 95% of the food that we eat. Exactly. Uh, Corn and soybean isn't necessarily food. It's feed to animals, okay? Mm-hmm. How, like, is that the way anything 
ever happen? Mm, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Like we've cultivated animals and we need to feed them to keep them alive. It's, you know, to haul, uh, to pull plows and to haul weight and to be companions and, you know, milk and all that stuff. But like on a scale of like everything, like millions, like, you know, like there's going to be consequences right. to this stuff. And then on the flip side, it's like, oh, do we go completely into like eating you know, manufactured, uh, like soy proteins. Like there's never been a place. And again, it's like, how did we get here for a hundred thousand right. dudes? I know some of my, I had a friend in college, for example, who was like of Lebanese descent and he, this guy could like live on chickpeas. Okay. <laughs> so like that was, that was just like him. That right. was him only. Like I've never met anybody <laughs> else who like didn't benefit from like eating, you know, some grass fed beef or once exactly. in a while. Like, it helps their skin and their hair. Gets better. Like, like I feel energized and I sleep better and all this stuff. Like I'm not saying you need to like five pounds of it every day or whatever. Um, Might not be a bad so thing. Like how do we remain? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Everybody's different, right? Like be yourself, man. <laughs> be yourself. Yeah. But he had to dig in our heels. Like, oh, you know, uh, it's got to be corn fed or we got to be vegan. Man, we got to like step back and say like, uh, take some ego out of all this stuff. Yeah, right. Like nature has always had systems you know, the natural systems like Buffalo did fine without us. Like they sure doing did. anything to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and they built the soils. They trampled, trampled the grass. They did the whole roost out thing of, you know, basically putting hay bales down with their hooves. So like, how can we wisely take the lessons from nature and then mm, scale them? Yeah. So we can feed a hundred or a thousand people. One per like one, good system one good system can do this without tapping into some extremes of i'm going to need you know an extra you know 15 pounds of nitrogen to support some broken system and that you know uh, or phosphorus and that's going to run into my watershed because phosphorus takes two years from soil to get into or half the nitrogen is going to evaporate into the atmosphere and we're on the other end like i'm going to wreck my health because i'm so devoted to the, hmm, uh, how do I put this? Like the idea of animal welfare right. uh, that I need right. to like extremely like radicalize my own body. Well, maybe there's like, you know, I always jokingly say like cue the Elton John, like the Lion King, like the circle of life. Man. <laughs> exactly. Like Elton John's That's like, right. you know, he stuck, he just put that on and it'll like really clear your sinuses. Like, yeah, <laughs> like he stuck the landing <laughs> with that, you know? Good point. And like, Nobody gets that. Nobody, nobody gets out of here alive, you know. So, like, right. how can we like take care of each other? And that, that for me includes eating animals that were like well taken care of. Yes. In a regenerative system. So I'm going to step off my soapbox now. Is that no? Is that, that good? Is that, that do okay? That, absolutely. And, and you're right that this is a tough topic to talk about with people. People get really yeah. emotional and, and passionate about this and, you know, their way is the right way and nobody wants to, to, you know, that the idea of, you know, people being, say, vegan because, one, they think it's good for their health and there's not a lot of evidence for that. Um, I, I was vegetarian for a couple of years. I went through this and it almost destroyed my health. And uh, I'm almost the opposite now. People are shocked when they see what my diet is because it's about 85% animal products. And they think, why do you have that big garden? 
Well, I do eat a lot of stuff out of my garden. Not It's not a huge part of my diet, but I love the fact that almost all of the produce I eat, I grew myself. And all of the other yeah. benefits of the garden, being out in the sunshine, digging in the soil, spending all that time out there, and then being able to give that food away. I don't have to eat it all. Um, I do eat a little bit of it. And what I eat, I really enjoy because it's just the best quality I'm, I'm going to get anywhere, but they're, they're shocked. But I eat that way because after eight years of trying all kinds of different things, this is where I'm the healthiest and this is where I perform the best. Yeah. It, it was almost yeah. the, the more things I eliminated out of my diet, the healthier I became. It wasn't, you know, going to find some superfood. You know, we always chase these superfoods. Um, those did nothing. Yeah. Adding things to my diet almost never had any kind of an impact at all. It was taking things away and getting back to the, the real basics. And, and for me, a lot of it being animal products. And like I said, for, for our yeah. tribe, um, you know how unhealthy the American population is today. It's horrendous. The, the incidence of diabetes and heart disease, and it, it's just all the autoimmune conditions we never even heard of before. Um, if you take those statistics and you compare them to our tribe, truck drivers, double the yeah. incidence of diabetes, double. Yeah. That's how bad yeah. it is in, in this yeah. industry. So we do use what a lot of people consider to be, you know, really extreme measures, but I'm not sure it is all that extreme. There were a lot of, you know, human beings who mostly did survive on animal products, depending on where, you know, where they were in the world. Um, my ancestors, yeah, yeah, came from far northern Europe. You know, if you trace it around right. the globe, it's like Alaska for us. That's how uh, Scotland and um, yeah. Ireland. And I, I can't imagine that they had a lot of produce year round. I mean, I, I have to believe that they had to survive on mostly animals. Yeah, yeah, makes makes complete sense to me, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, getting back to to your core listeners, man. You, like anybody that's out there driving today, like you guys got you guys and ladies got to take care, special care of yourself. Yes, you know, because doing such important work to keep our infrastructure uh, alive and, and 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 humming. You know, it's like you that uh, Alabama Alabama uh, wrote some famous country songs about like the eighties and nineties. It makes the hair stand up. Yeah, uh, when I think about what you guys do, but you guys also have a like a sedentary kind of like desk or moving desk job. I don't I don't have to tell you all. So you have to take like extra care uh, to get exercise and 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 to eat. Um, and I'm, I don't know I'm preaching to the choir, especially well, on a show like this. But I just want to make a point. No, it's it's why we bring people like you on. We want to continue reinforcing that idea. And you know the the job yeah. itself. You said it's like a rolling desk job great analogy. It's almost worse though. You know, we've gotten to the point now right. where people at a desk, their, you know, their Fitbit or their Garmin watch, you know, reminds them every hour to get up and walk around for 10 minutes or, or you can't even do that in a truck. You can't stop and, yeah. for 10 minutes. That's an hour. By the time you get off, find a place to park, you know, take 10 or 20 mm. minutes to, to be a little active and get back. You've lost an hour and they're restricted on how many hours mm. they can work. So that's yeah, not course. even an it's option. Such a bond. Yeah, and and yeah, then the the 
the bigger problem, really, and, and we've made a ton of progress on this, the bigger problem is food availability. The food that is available mm. to them and, and it, it, not even convenient, just the food that, that's around where they're going to be in a truck is some of the worst food around. Yeah. It's just awful. I mean, yeah. you, you can't even call How it food pull? anymore. Gonna... Yeah, dreadful. I, I hear you. I've been in, look, I'm not going to name, name drop any, any, any national truck stop. Oh, you can James, if but... you want. We do it all the time. We're, <laughs> we're, we're not above <laughs> shaming people to try to get them to do better things. <laughs> Right, right. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, 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 nobody's going to pull a tractor trailer into a Chipotle parking lot. It, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, it's so we actually, believe it or not, people are just blown away when we, when we talk about this outside of the industry. We have truck drivers who are fermenting vegetables and pressure canning meat and meals at home so they can take go. it with them. There you go. Just watch your altitude out there, guys. You don't want any <laughs> explosions when you go over. Hey, hey, it's speaking of explosions, one of the things that I, I have to tell a story now that you brought that up, um, I talked about all the peppers yeah. I got out of the garden this year, like six different varieties of hot peppers, um, everything from awesome. Hungarian wax peppers up to habaneros. And, you know, I was going to make hot sauce and and the plants just produced so much and I couldn't even work through it all. I had to freeze some of it so I can process it later. But I was looking for something to do with all these peppers. And I came across this hot honey recipe where you just take a bunch mm. of fresh peppers and you ferment them in just straight honey. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. So I tried it. I love this stuff. And there's so many uh, variations never, of it, e different honey, different peppers. Um, and it's so simple, you know, with fermenting, which isn't really complicated, but you got the brine and you got to get your ratios right. And, you know, occasionally you'll get some mold in there, some yeast growing, and you got to deal with that. And But with this honey fermenting, it is so simple. You chop up all the peppers, you put them in a jar, you cover them completely with honey and let them sit out on the counter. And they Ethnic. all of the liquid gets pulled out of the peppers. They almost look like they're dehydrated after a couple of days and the honey gets really thin and it's got this mm. heat and it's not quite so sweet anymore. You can even use it on savory foods. Like it, it makes great mm. hot sauce, barbecue sauce. I put it on all kinds of stuff. So I'm now into this. I've got, five three-gallon fermenters, that's a lot of honey, um, right. with different recipes going, and I'm trying all kinds of things. So I actually created some that are like for your immune system. Have you ever heard of fire cider? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I took like that idea. Vinegar. Yeah, I thought, you know, when you put all that stuff into apple cider vinegar, it is really, really harsh. Like you take a shot of that and it... it it's rough. I thought, what if I took all those same things and infused them into honey instead? And I did. And it still comes out, you know, the horseradish and the peppers. And it, I mean, it's hot. It's got a bite. But it goes down really smooth. Yeah. So I thought, well, this is a great idea. I'm going to start doing a shot of this every morning and I'll talk about it on my show. And so yesterday I've got, you know, five or six different recipes and I put them in those 
Grolsch bottles, the beer bottles with that ceramic cap and the seal on the top. So you just reseal the bottle. And they've been in there for weeks now. They're still at room temperature. You never refrigerate this stuff. And they've been doing great. No pressure buildup, nothing like that. Yesterday morning, I'm like 20 minutes before I have to go on the air. I pick one up and I look at it and the honey had started to crystallize on the top. And that was the only bottle that, that did that. And I thought, well, that's odd. And as I'm thinking that, I popped the top. It sounded like a 12-gauge shotgun went off, and all 16 what? ounces in that bottle ended up all over my pantry. Oh. It took me like eight uh, hours yesterday to clean up the mess. Yeah, there, there's, there is no dog that you can call to, to lick all that up. No, <laughs> no. It was such a mess. Un- I, I don't know where I went wrong on that one. Obviously, there was something left in there that was still fermenting. Right, right. Maybe there's a bad seal on the gasket or something, too. You never know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what yeah. that was, but it was a mess. Well, Kevin, I'm I'm sensing a uh, cottage industry where I will see your products on uh, on shelves uh, nationwide. Uh, Ke- Kevin's uh, habanero honey. You you I, you might be onto something there. Stranger things, man. I had a friend. Uh, I'll give her a shout out, Michelle Thornett. Uh, Michelle's granola. She started at farmers market uh, on a baking sheet in like 2008 and she's coast to coast on Amazon. Wow. Uh, selling Michelle's granola. Love so, stories like that. You know, this, 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 this is the way it happened. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. All right. Make so yeah, let, let's, let's go back to, you know, what's going on in, in the world and the, you know, the, this issue about is you know, raising animals regenerative or not. Um, and I, I obviously, I absolutely so, believe it is. Um, one of the, the stories right. I found interesting, and I'm not sure if you're following this one or not, um, what's going on in the Netherlands? Oh, yeah. That, uh, I, I have, I, that has popped up on my radar a little bit. Can you g- give me specifically what you're trying yeah. to do? Yeah, so I, I'm actually really torn about this. I hate the government getting involved in forcing anybody to do anything. And that's that's the the crutch of what's going on over there. The government is saying right. to farmers, you have to reduce your nitrogen usage by thirty percent by this year, and they're saying, look, we can't do right. it. Uh, so uh, I'm kind of torn because, in a sense, right. isn't the government trying to at least head in the right direction? Which I I I would love to see farmers do that on their own. Um, I don't want the government yeah, to force it, but it, I'm not even sure the government's right. doing it for the right reasons. Right. Well, p- pardon my ignorance on the specificity of that. I, I've certainly seen some headlines on that, and that um, obviously gets into uh, a great deal of, uh, of emotionality uh, back and forth, and uh, and, that's, and that's human nature. Uh, where I, where I could kind of. Uh, uh, provide some color on that is I work with NRCS, uh, Natural Resource uh, Conservation Service, uh, here in Virginia um, on projects to, for example, um, try and optimize uh, government, um, uh, uh, let me me say, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, 
basically people who are yeah, expert, expert for things, things that I'm not an expert at. Like, look, okay. how many things can we be experts at? Right, exactly, right. right. And bringing a, a, a forester, like, look, I'm a farmer. I can't be an expert at like 85 different indigenous trees that right. like different soils, wet feet, they like dry feet, they prefer rocky soils, you know. I just, it's beyond my purview to know all this stuff. So one place like I've tapped into is the resource of, of, of our state forester, for example. And they uh, come to our farm, uh, meet with me, do an assessment, uh, say, look, do we want trees that are going to be produce like uh, uh, value, value uh, in the form of like nuts and berries and fruits? Uh, do we want hardwoods? Do we want something to just be protective wildlife cover. Um, so for me, and then we shot like a video. Um, if, you, if anybody's interested, you can find, you can Google my name and NRCS and there's a lovely video about what we did came out about a year ago. That's like a nice intersectionality. I think where there's like a nice softness um, uh, with our federal or state tax dollars to try to meet the farmer where they are. Now, as you alluded to, to back up, is ideally you want the farmer to find it's in their best interest to um, not allow nutrients to go into the watershed. You can think of it as dollar bills. I want that fertile. I want those dollar bills in the field. I don't want them in the creek. I like, I'm on the Chesapeake, Chesapeake State watershed. I like fish and crabs as, as much as anybody. And I sure want those fish and crabs to be available to me. Yes. Um, with, when I want to do, you know, a classic Baltimore, uh, you know, uh, crab pick and it doubly so it benefits me not to have cattle standing in my Creek because the cattle, the cattle would love to be in my Creek all day long. <laughs> right. But guess what? All, all my fertilizer colors, they, you know, put on a swimsuit and they can go off the diving board as far as, I, as far as they're concerned. Yeah. But it's not to my benefit to do that. I don't need to be stubborn about this and say, Oh, you know, the, the doggone government wants me not to have fertilizer in my fields. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, right? like this is my own, my own selfish benefit. So is there a program, for example, where I could do in a Creek improvement where I could have a hundred percent cost share to keep cattle out of the Creek, irrespective of like personal opinions about like government involvement, right? Is this like beneficial to the system and my, my bottom line, like, yes, does the program exist where they'll pay for it a hundred percent? Also, yes. So it's like, hmm. Wow. Uh, I need to look in the mirror. And right. Be, am I just being stubborn? You know. So. Yeah. Well, that's the best way I can kind of. Yeah. Good. You know, part of the problem over there, and and you know, <laughs> depends on who you read and who you want to believe that the way this program is is supposedly working in the Netherlands is they either reach this goal of this reduced nitrogen amount, which is a good goal in and of itself, or the government takes over their land. That's the real problem I have with this whole thing. That's pretty draconian. Sure. That's just awful. That seems, that's certainly, uh, seems unilateral and terrible, but uh, I'm, I'm, I just have, I'm going to have to punt because I I just really don't get it. No, no, I, I, some days I wish I didn't. You know, really, some days I wish I right. wasn't on. So most days I wish I wasn't on social media and I wasn't reading all of this yeah. stuff. But uh, that one, 
Like I said, yeah. that one really struck me because in, in one sense, I, I like the direction, but I don't like all the reasons why and the consequences. Yeah, of course. Look, that, that, that doesn't sound right to me. Um, and that's always where we get into binds, again, is trying to find a reasonable person in a crisis. You know, where where is the intersectionality of... Uh, of trying to find, uh, for, you know, start with sustainable and then, and then get to something that's, that's going to work for everybody. Yeah. Um, so that's a tough one. Yeah, it is. Hey, Lauren, jump in here. I've been dominating all morning. I had so many notes here and so much well, I yeah. to talk about. Well, one of my, one of the points that, you know, I wanted to make about this whole fake meat movement is what's happening is basically we're getting a mix of being, you know, we're either uneducated on what's going on and, and how important, um, you know, free roaming animals are to the ecosystem. And we're also being misinformed. There are a number of documentaries out there that, that cowspiracy, what the hell, um, forks over knives is another one. And they're all anti-meat and pro-vegan documentaries. And what, really what people should be watching are the ones that you don't really hear much about, like Sacred Cow, the one that um, oh, Diane she is an, uh, an NTP, actually. Yes, Diane Rogers. Yeah. Um, she wrote a book, and it's called Sacred Cow. Wonderful book. And they also came out with a documentary in the last year, I think. Um, and it dives into the sustainability of properly raised beef and explains why cattle raised well are actually good for the environment and uh, the many benefits of managing cows sustainably. You know, it's a great source of nutrient-dense, bioavailable protein, fat, and micronutri- micronutrients. Um, it also helps store um, carbon back in the soil to help, you know, counteract climate change, which a lot of people don't even realize. And sure. then it promotes the soil health, you know, it restores grasslands and helps to reverse uh Diversity. You know, desertification. Yeah. And Alan Savory, yeah, desertification. And Alan Savory is a great person. If you haven't heard of Alan Savory, I highly recommend you, you know, research him and listen to his story because he's from South Africa. And with desertification, he thought that it was that the elephants were to blame. And, you know, here he was many, many years ago doing the opposite of what he should have been doing. And it's you know, paying his heart, you know, is just broken for what he thought was the right thing to do by, you know, killing off elephants. And now he has spent the remainder of his life, you know, educating people on what it is. You know, he mentions the thousands of buffaloes that used to roam the Great Plains, you know, just several generations ago. I mean, a handful of generations ago, this wasn't that long ago. And that was before we had, you know, our soils were suffering and there were, you know, um, you know, the runoff now, there's nowhere for that rain to settle into the soil or the carbon to get into the soil because it now has this, you know, really thick crust and it's impenetrable. So all of those buffalo, buffalo roaming were really key to, you know, keeping the ecosystem alive there. So I just think... Uh, you know, we're not opening our eyes to the really important things like that cowspiracy uh, or the sacred cow book and things like that. Those are the ones that, you know, you can really educate yourself on. Yeah, there's a wonderful quote that comes to mind. 
I heard a long time ago that we spend more time as people looking up at the sky than we do at the ground under our feet. Yeah. You know, that, that, that hits me really deeply as a farmer because it's, it's like you, you alluded Lauren, uh, you can't see carbon sequestration. Okay. Like mm-hmm. we know that, uh, uh we have, uh, quantifiable, uh, greenhouse gases and, 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 uh, and consequences, but it's, it's very unsexy, uh, to think about <laughs> right. like, uh, Oh, look at these permatures that are like stocking in uh, all this carbon. Uh, like, like mm-hmm. I could I just, like hear people's eyes glazing over. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is deep. <laughs> This is deeply exciting to me, and I could go on for another eight hours about this. Uh, Tamara Haspel in Washington a few weeks ago uh, did a really nice write-up uh, about uh, trying to tease out uh, the maybe the mythology or the hidden motivations of one side trying to yell louder than the other. Um, and, you know, it's always like follow the money on a lot of this right. stuff, you know, <laughs> who's supporting these programs and what's their motivation. Um, but you know, not to be jaded about it, but I mean, I've, I've lived, I've lived a few years. Um, and <laughs> she uh, pointed out a wonderful uh, study. I think it was through Colorado state, but um, I, I don't fact check me or you fact check me on that. But essentially it's demonstrable at this point that the kind of systems that uh, we use at my farm, which I've intuited would work again, going back to like, how do we all get here for hundreds of thousands of years? How did all these species survive without our help of giving them antibiotics and putting them <laughs> in feedlots and, and all that stuff? How, how in the world did they ever do it without, without us? Uh, is, it is demonstrable now that if uh, we have permaculture pastures, we practice rotational grazing. What I mean by that is like daily rotations onto fresh grass and spread it out of, of around at least 30, preferably between like 30 and 45 days before the animals are able to get back. Essentially what that does, you've alluded to the buffalo several times. The, uh, the buffalo, just to put it, if you guys have ever seen, I'm sure everybody's seen uh, Dances with Wolves at one point in their life. Yeah. And there's this wonderful scene where uh, uh, Kevin Costner is going, Tatanka, Tatanka, where's Tatanka? You can't find the buffalo. And they go up over a ridge and they said, uh, the Native American dates, which says they're easy to find. And they look, and you can just see this highway of trampled grass. Okay. Mm. Now, I don't have any reason to believe that Dances with Wolves director was trying to uh, create the first spark of regenerative agriculture insight. <laughs> However, uh, 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 fortunate for us, that gives us a great visual of what is possible when you put these animals, wild animals, allow them to be themselves, they're going to it's a predator prey push and pull. Okay. So you got thousand Buffalo, you got wolves or you got big cats or whatever, or you got native Americans that are hunting them and they go across the prairie. They're terrified of getting killed. Okay. Or low, low grade. So they're taking a bite of grass. They're stomping on it. They're pooping and peeing on it and they keep moving. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because they can't stop because if they stop, it's survival of the fitter and it's, yeah. you know, going to, going to supply all this wonderful stuff. Well, what happens is that they don't come back to it after it's been trampled and, and fertilized, they don't come back to it for months or a year. All that ground has time. Time is, which is always a limiting factor in any business or any farm uh, to recuperate. Okay. So can we take that system and like 
directly kind of create a, a, a human hybrid of that? Absolutely. We do that with uh, cross-sensing. So at our farm, we've got 15-acre pastures, and depending on the rate of growth of the grass, if it's up to our waist, we slow, we slow the mechanism down. We, we take step-in posts with polywire, and we go out and re- uh, unreel the posts, and the cattle, instead of having 15 acres, they've only got two acres. Okay, so there are, and there's tons of forage. There's more forage that they could ever eat, but that's not the point. The point is for them to get the most nutritious bite to stomp on it because we have a density of it. We're basically creating like a synthetic uh, predator pressure on them, and they fertilize it, and then we rotate them into another slice, and then we rest that for like 45 days. Um, so I'm out of breath just with my passion <laughs> of, <laughs> of talking about this. And it's, so, it's so exciting. It's so translatable. And you can see the results. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's Yeah. I've seen it firsthand, actually. I, I did a woofing. Um, I did several months of woofing in Costa Rica with an incredible ranch operation that does um, an artisanal beef. And it's, it's 50% Brangus. So they took Brahma and Red Angus and... Right. They had a beautiful, you know, breed, and then they did. Um, they started with the Brangus and Wagyu, and those animals are. It's a very small operation. I think they only harvest like ten at a time, and it's every forty-five days. Because then they'll take it, they'll dry age it for forty-five days, and it's the most incredible beef I've ever had wow. in my entire life. And then they practice rotational grazing, um, you know, intensive, you know, grazing and stuff like that. So I, I've seen it firsthand and it's incredible. The product that you can get out of it is absolutely incredible. Granted, it does have, you know, amazing genes with the, the Wagyu, but it, I've never had beef like this before in my entire yeah. life. Yeah. Well, you, you tapped into something very special there, which is the artisanal, mm, the root of artisanal is artist. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. These extraordinary opportunities for creative expression that you said, Brangus, I could come up with some other uh, portmanteau and say, uh, you know, uh, wag limp, wag limousine and have waggy limousine <laughs> cross. Yeah. Is the land is the is the palette? It's the it's the Bob Ross canvas. Okay, and we're going to add mm-hmm. some. We're going to add our creativity. We're going to put some happy little cows over here, and we're going to put some friendly little sheep down here at the bottom. In the meantime, we're going to allow things to flourish. And if you ever watched the Bob Ross uh, segment, everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's like magic. It is. Yeah. To watch yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm sitting there. Is he, is he like, a, is he Harry Houdini? Like, how did he do that in front of my own eyes? It's yeah. like preposterous. Yeah. And like, it's much like that. When you take the creativity of the producer and you allow the palette the, I'm sorry, the canvas, rather, not the painter's palette, the canvas, to uh, receive a positive energy, uh, you can create just amazing things. I mean, Kevin's growing truckloads of peppers now, okay? Uh, just for, <laughs> on a micro, on a, as a microcosm of this. And down in Costa Rica, they're doing 45-day aged beef. Like, Kevin, wonderful. Costa Rica, wonderful. 10... 10,000, 100,000 tiny farms in between uh, Kevin and Costa Rica. Wonderful, right? And what we've got stuck is like this mindset of like, 
it has to be this, it has to be big or yeah. it has to be deep. You know, it's like, mm, seems like there's a lot of space in there, guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 it's like all we, all we really started to focus on in so many systems is just efficiency and profit and everything else right. went out the window. And, and, you know, in some things that might be okay, not many, but in some, it might be okay in food. I can't imagine a worse direction to take. We we gave up right. flavor. Right. We gave up nutrition. We gave up enjoyment. We we gave up sustainability and 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 all just to be a little more efficient and a little cheaper. Um, yeah, I, maybe, I want to go back to the Bob Ross thing real quick before I forget because I used to be fascinated <laughs> watching him, but I I had this pattern that I couldn't break. Every time I would start watching him. He'd start doing his thing, and I'd be like, oh, my God, he totally screwed that up. What's he going to do? And it, I, I could never right. get over that. Every episode, I'd watch it, and I'd be like, no, this time he really screwed it up. But he never did. It always somehow transformed at that one moment. You looked at it and go, oh, yeah. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so glad. you. He, I mean, talk about Zen, man. You know, he was just a, either he had some precognition and he was thinking in four dimensional chess, you know, yeah. six, six moves ahead of Mike, or he just very sweetly uh, saw that mistake. And, and he's like, we're just going to uh, very gently op- open the hand a little bit and look at just turned into a tree or a rock. Yeah, right. Like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's incredible. <laughs> All right, where where do we go from here? We had uh, we've got so much that that top. Oh, I know what I want to go back to. What you two were just talking about, I, I could listen to all day. I, I just am fascinated by all that. And what's so frustrating to me to bring it back to kind of what's going on in in the world or even in our country is it's we're making the wrong argument. That that's part of the problem that I see happening. It's not, you know, vegans versus carnivores and which one's better for the environment. The the problem is the way we raise animals. We we have to address that first. If 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 the you know vegetarians want to make an argument that the animals are destroying our our uh, ecosystem, they're correct. I wouldn't argue with them about that. But it doesn't have to yeah, be yeah. that way. That's that's also exactly. correct. Yeah. So like, you know, how do we, how do we lean into some of these things? Like I always, I've kind of got this clarifying thought and it's, we talk a lot about farms, but a farm needs a farmer. Okay. And like a farm is not a farm without a farmer and make no mistake. There's a lot of absentee farms. There's farms that are essentially run by like geopositional tractors. There's, uh, uh, I mean, there's like venture capitalists that have bought yeah. uh, enormous acreage and, and that all could be fine. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to paint anything with a black and white brush or whatever. It could all, this could all be fine. Um, like, how, like how do we lean into just like deep, like deep common sense and kind of getting back to like, like Lauren's side of things from a nutritional standpoint. And Kevin, you were saying like you eat 85% meat. It's like, if we say, if we're like, we're deeply honest with ourselves, like I'm not going to control my breathing. I'm not going to like stop breathing. Like my body will pass out 
and and I will like fall asleep before I can like hold my breath until I die. Okay, <laughs> right. if my body won't allow it to happen. Okay, I cannot stay awake for like two straight weeks. Um, my body will fall asleep. It just knows what to do. Okay, and on some deep vibrational level, and this is all deeply personal. If whether you're 85% carnivore or 99%, you know, uh, garbanzo bean uh, guy, uh, your body. Your body like knows if we have like the wisdom to like listen, to be quiet, to like sleep and see how we feel, to you know exercise. And I think like that's one subject, and that's like Lauren's side of things to chime in on and give us some some perspective. And on Kevin's side of things is like how can we just have like the wisdom to find a middle path when it comes to agriculture without getting like so entrenched on what our ego tells us or what our politics tries to tell us. And man, when it comes to politics telling us, we got to be really careful guys, because those, those talking heads have a lot of motivation to say <laughs> yeah. what they do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and just have the inner clarity of being like, like where, where is the space to, allow nature to take care of itself and, and to reward us. So. Good point. True. I think we're, we're just so disconnected. I think it all comes down once again, Kevin, to connection. Yeah. We, we don't, we've lost the ability to connect and tap into our body and listen to what it actually needs. We've lost the connection with nature. We've lost the connection with our food. I mean, how many people go to the grocery store and buy the same exact cut of meat because it's really the only one they're comfortable cooking and the one that they, you know, that they've had their entire life. But what about the rest of the animal? You know, do they ever even question where that's coming from? I I don't think they do. Good point. It's it's funny you mentioned, uh, I I was at a gym and I ran into somebody and they're like, oh, you're from... Berryville, I'm from Berryville, and I, I, I said, well, I'm, I do, I'm a farmer, and he shops at my farm. He's like, oh my god, he's like, you're like you're Smith Meadows, like you, you're the farmer there. He goes, I just ate, I just ate like a, I just bought a bunch of lamb hearts from you, and like I was eating lamb hearts like all last week. Well, let me tell you guys, when is the last time you heard somebody say like I spent the last week eating lamb hearts? I, never. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would be never. Right? Not often <laughs> enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> Light up. He's all, he got so excited. He's like, you're the guy who like grows the lamb hearts. He's like, oh, it's incredible. I've been like, you know, like trying like different recipes all this week. And I'm like, it, man, I'm like thinking to myself, like little voice, like this is probably a little unusual. To be, a like, little. Oh, he's dropping on the yeah. You know? Yeah. You know what I found funny is the, is the way he said it. Oh, you're the guy who grows lamb hearts? Well, no, I grow the whole lamb. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, oh I love it. And, you know, 20, 22 years of farmer's markets, man, you get to a point where it's like you're like receiving confession, like in the I'll Catholic bet. Church. It's like, yeah. people, you know, they're like, oh, I've been like vegan for 10 years or like, oh, like all I do is eat meat. And like, is it okay to like eat? This? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, not like clinically, you know, like qualified to but I'll like receive your confession as like a fellow human being and be like, you're probably okay. Just like follow your instincts, you know, but like, it's come with like so much weight and like, 
you know, you can see their eyes. They're like, Oh, I got to get something off my chest. Like, and a lot of times it's like, I'm like, I'm a carnivore, like, but my, you know, my boyfriend's vegan or whatever. And it's like, yeah. okay, well I don't need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Forrest, before... Oh. Go ahead, finish that ahead. thought. I was just saying, interacting with with people and, and trying to, to think about some of these things, it's endlessly entertaining, um, you know. I'll bet. Ultimately, we, we have compassion for each other because we're all, we're all people and we all make mistakes and we all have to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and, you know, I, I just... All of us, I think, need to be a little more open to new ideas and, and not be so, you know, rooted in what we believe has to be right. You know, we, we've tried to be really open about that on the health side of things. You know, I, I'm very, very critical of our, I don't even, won't refer to it as our healthcare system anymore. I call it our sick care system. If there's nothing healthy there about go. our medical system at all. Nothing even remotely um, designed around health. It's designed around sickness and it's mostly designed to keep us sick and cover up our symptoms enough that we can make it through the day. And, and I really believe it really is just about money. I mean, if, if you just outright kill people, you can't make any money off of them, but if you can keep them alive and sick, you can make an awful lot of money. And, and I just think that that's what's yeah. taken over our, our system um, so, you know, we, we have really aligned with a lot of, like I said, we've, we have cardiologists now. Um, one of the stories I absolutely love, um, Dr. Jack Wolfson, um, he's a regular guest of ours now is almost becoming a co-host. Um, his father was a traditional cardiologist. He became a traditional cardiologist, um, very renowned. I mean, really good at what he did. Um, but he happened to meet a woman at a medical conference and she was a chiropractor and they fell in love and she started introducing him more to the natural side of healing. A lot of chiropractors are much more into natural healing and he jumped in with both feet and he made the statement on the air. And I was just blown away by the fact that he was willing to say this. He said, he said, Kevin, look, he said, I, I spent my entire career as a cardiologist killing people. He said, I was doing it slowly, but I was uh -huh. killing them. And he said, I plan on spending the rest of my life trying to make up for that. And he is totally mm -hmm. natural now. I mean, he, it's all about That's diet and, and lifestyle. And, and his, the one thing he always says, and I just love the way he approaches this, he said, look, your, your heart problems are not a deficiency in statins. Mm -hmm. That's his approach to all the drugs. Your, your health problems are not a deficiency of some drug. So why would we think adding right. that drug would help anything? Yeah, well, that's, that's profound, profoundly wise. And uh, you have yeah. to move. Typically, to get to that kind of wisdom, you have to move through a lot of suffering and, and see a lot, experience a lot of suffering and decide you don't want to participate in that anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, I think about the changes we made when we decided to, to go down this health road and they, they were big changes, but I think about somebody yeah. whose entire life 
the the medical school, the training, the cost, the the residency, the hours, the stress, everything he he went through as a cardiologist, his whole life was built around that premise. To make that change yeah. is yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can I can I can say probably with ninety nine percent certainty that when he dreamed of being a doctor as a young person, he did not say, I'm going to go in there and charge <laughs> <Right>. people $5,000 to, to basically promote pharmaceuticals. Right. You know, something happens, mm -hmm. something happens along that journey. And he had the courage and the, and the uh, clarity uh, to step out of that, uh, of that machine, you know, it's essentially a machine. You know, I see all my friends, all my young friends who went to law school, we're all going to save the environment. They're all going to yeah, work right. pro bono you know, all these, all, you know, um, financially, um, challenged clients and they all end up, you know, working in corporate or cop, you know, copyright or some awful thing. And <laughs> you, you see them, they got, they got the dead eyes, man. They got yep, the dead you're eyes. right. You're right. Hey, so, you know, <laughs> I, I just realized something. I was talking about that transformation yeah. he made and his whole life had been built around that. It, you really did the same thing with the farm. Well, it goes back. I was, you know, I kind of got sidetracked myself with a farm needs a farmer. And like, how do we encourage and promote in our culture these 18, 19 year old, 24 year old folks who we all know they've got, they want to save the world. You know, they, they've got their hair on fire. They're radically motivated to uh, engage in the physical activity uh, to put their heart into it. Frankly, they've got more time than money in most cases. And, you know, you either have time or you got money. It's rare that you got both, you know, to, to make a difference. Like how do we encourage, foster, cultivate a space for like young people, not only who want to farm to find farms, do my herb, who are unlikely to have land, access like I did because my grandparents had this farm. How are you going to mentor them? So when they make mistakes, they don't go bankrupt or go out of yeah. business, you know, going to capitalize them so they can actually like, you know, have a, a warehouse and a district, a box truck and a, and a tractor. I'm talking very modest things, right, right? But like for 20, to get to get their hands on land and then get their their hands on a hundred thousand dollars worth of capital to buy minimum infrastructure, and then to also not have experience, right? Ooh, that's <laughs> right. A, that's a that's a tough one, right? Yeah. So for anybody who did like be born into you know granddaddy's farm, which is increasingly unlikely in 2022, 2023, like what systems can we put in place as people who want to care? Because if you look at our USDA farm bill, it's like only like 1% goes into like organic regenerative, maybe 2%, you know, maximum goes into programs to support. It goes into subsidies and, and uh, uh, all, all sorts of stuff that we wouldn't expect it to go into. Uh, but a tiny, tiny, tiny pipeline goes into farmer training and yeah. uh, sustainable systems. So yeah. very good point. These are some real head scratchers. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It certainly is. Hey, Forrest, real quick, I, I want to be, you know, respectful of your time. I, I think we normally tell people we're booking an hour. Um, we've gone right. plenty past that. I just want to make sure you're still okay time-wise. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good for a few more minutes. Um, Could, uh, how much How much longer would you like me? Oh, six or seven hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> one one thing I, I'd like to ask, I, I have a call on the line. We haven't really been asking for calls, but they're showing up anyway. And one looks like um, something you would probably be good at answering if you're willing to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. All right, let's do that. Let's uh, let's bring in Dale in Missouri. Dale, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Um, I really want to as even hope he is going to take a cone today, but um, my wife and I built a house recently on an acreage. You and I've talked about it several times. We just started uh, gardening. I talked to you a little bit about you grew some uh, vegetables inside some straw bales. Oh yeah, but right. the land out there that I have, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in Southwest Missouri, so there's a a lot of clay and rock in the land. So. Uh, what I was thinking about doing is we staked off this spot where we want to make a garden and it's going to be probably 120 feet by maybe 190 feet. Okay. And what I was thinking about doing was taking my, uh, box blade and put some ripper teeth in there and cross on over that, tear it up with a harrow and pull that clay and rock top off and buy topsoil. But I'm calling to say, should I do this? And if if yes, then what should I add? And if not, what should I just be adding to my soil? But uh, it's very, very compact. It's, it's just, it's hard as hell. I mean, you can literally take a shovel, dirt shovel, you know, with a tip on it, jump up and land on it, and you might go in the ground an eighth of an inch. I mean, it's stuff as hard as concrete. It's, it's almost like hard pan out west. Huh? Uh, do, do, you want me, do you want me to jump in? Yes, here? absolutely. Yeah. Dale, is that right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, look, um, if you've got the resources, uh, you can move heaven and earth uh, to put a garden in practically anywhere. So ultimately, the answer is yes, you can do that. It depends on uh, how hard you want to work at it, what your, what your budget is, uh, what your resources are. Um, and it sounds like your soil is uh, extraordinarily compacted, uh, probably greatly deficient in, in carbon. It uh, probably has not had any kind of permaculture on top of it, because how, how could it uh, with that much compaction? Uh, you know, soil is, uh, you know, at least 25% air, ideally. Okay, so it sounds like you got no air in your soil. And the plant, plants are, are going to breathe through the roots. Uh, so if they, if they can't get air, they're, they're going to be a star for oxygen. The one thing that uh, short of literally YouTubing uh, a completely dense air, air deprived compacted soils in Southeast Missouri, because that YouTube video probably exists and I don't discount any of these resources. I got no ego. Any of this is get a hold of your local extension agent or your master gardeners because they will be a excited and a passionate partner uh, and they will be local experts in your region. So look, like how can I sit here an hour outside of Washington, D.C. and like tell you really uh, subjectively how to go about doing this? That would be foolish and egotistical 
of me. <laughs> so, so recruit some, some local passionate experts um, that are really going to be uh, uh, overjoyed uh, to help you. These people exist. Great okay. Advice. So I guess my best bet was, like you said, uh, I could get a hold of the Webster County extension and, um, uh, for that, for that matter, I could probably call a local college or uh, Springfield is close to me. There. It's a, it's a college town. They'll, they will be so happy to get your call, uh, to hear like someone is like actively invested in wanting to try to improve their soil. Um, uh, it will, it will, it will light up their day. Awesome. All right. I'll do that. And then if I, if I can ask you one, Kevin, I, um, ordered the, the, uh, some mush, some, some stuff for my wife to help out. We talked the other day with her, um, her menopause, the heat flashes yeah. net. Yep. Um, when should I have her stop taking the hormone replacement and start that? Because she's only been taking it about four or five days. You know, I'd stop now. Um, I, it, but the longer you go with those synthetic hormones, the, the harder the problem becomes to solve when we do it right. Um, Lauren, um, Maybe we should set up. I, I, the other day, I just gave you some advice and said, run with this. And then as soon as I got off the call, I thought, you know, we could probably be adding um, one of our organ complexes to help with this or the Equifem or we've got the new detox um, that helps detox the hormone Where receptors did she start? first. Uh, well, actually, Lauren, what's happening yeah. is she started with a fairly traditional doctor who's put her on hormone therapy. But it's mm -hmm. only been a couple, it's been less than a week. So I said, look, rather than go down that path, it, it never works. Um, let's try rebalancing her hormones naturally. And I, I talked about the, um, the mushroom adaptogens and how good they are at that. But then when I got off the call, I thought there's much more we could be doing here. You know, we, we could be yeah, detoxing that, the receptors. That detox. and, right. Right. So exactly. Dale, why that's don't, where I would start really. Yeah. Why don't you do a, a discovery call? just so we can really kind of outline this and put it in a protocol and, and give it to you. Yeah. Cause also, right. you know, we also want to work with the foundations. It's always a result of what's going on with the foundation. So if we just immediately start talking about hormones, we're not, we're not addressing what's causing this, this imbalance. Right. So definitely I would feel much better if we start with a discovery call and we look at diet digestion and then take it from there. Because that's going to be the most important is that we work with the foundations first. All right. So I'll have her call, and uh, I imagine you'd want her on the discovery call because I'm not yes. the one having the minute. Uh, absolutely. But um, <laughs> yes. I'll have her call. I'll have her call and schedule one, but uh, appreciate it. And, and by the way, I got to tell you, your customer service um, is, is unbelievable. Good. The other day Aww. when I was on, on getting put in the queue to talk to you, and I was asking about an order that shipped out. I think uh, Wednesday was just Kevin and one employee was the only two working there. And she went and checked and checked and she, Oh yeah, that one actually did. We get, we did get that one out. She goes, you know what? I'll track this down tomorrow. And if it doesn't deliver tomorrow, I'll look into it and I'll call you back. When the hell does anybody ever call you back? <laughs> Gee, that is phenomenal. Well, good, good. I'm glad it worked out for you. And, Our uh, well, and I just appreciate the, the, service behind the sale it's just it's rare today it's i i just think it's the way it should be i you know i, I love the compliments but it's right. just the way we operate and i can't imagine doing it any other way 
All right. Well, that's all I got for today, and I appreciate the advice on the uh, local extension. I'll give them a try. All right. Thanks for the call. Hey, um, Forrest, just a couple things real quick before we let you go. Uh, We were talking about, you know, where I'm growing, and I I love the kind of conditions we have. The soil's horrible. I'm on top of a hill right in front of me is the Columbia River, Um, but I'm about 500 feet up on a hill. I have a beautiful view of the river, but it's really, really rocky. I mean, when when we were excavating to do some, uh, some additions of the house, we pulled out, and it was not easy, but it was right where the driveway needed to go. About a foot under was a boulder the size of a Volkswagen. I mean, that that's the kind of soil uh, we have here. So I did sure. bring in, when I bought that lot next to me and turned that whole thing into a garden, I brought in about 16 yards of topsoil. I think. And it wasn't topsoil. It was actually a garden mix. And it was, I love the little nursery I have here locally. It's a young couple that started it, and they're really into soil and all that. And they have this beautiful mix. I mean, it's got all this stuff in it you would want to have, some mushroom compost and some chicken manure, and it just sounds amazing. And it's pretty expensive. And to bring in that much of it, you know, was a, was a big investment. And the yeah. first year I planted stuff in it, I was so disappointed hardly anything would grow. And I thought, what is wrong? This stuff is like gold. There's so much good stuff in here. Mm-hmm. But then I realized it it's kind of dead at that point. I mean, it, it, it takes time, mm-hmm. even though that soil seemed like it had everything it needed. Nothing really grew much mm-hmm. the first year. I mean, it grew, it didn't produce much. I fought a lot of bugs and diseases in that part of the garden and the other part of the garden that I had been working on for a couple years was doing so much better but now I I, within Mm -hmm. one season I was really able to transform that soil but I was shocked at at what a difference that was right well I mean there's all sorts of without knowing the specificity of it it was probably uh undergoing uh undergoing some composting heat perhaps uh if you know, if it was being transported, it was being aerated, and there's microorganisms in there that were getting excited about being jostled around, and you know, perhaps you had uh, some heat issues with it. And but I mean, think about it like like a cake uh, recipe. Like you take all the ingredients and you put the cake in the bowl, and the batter looks really good and it smells good and maybe even tastes good, you know. But you got to bake it. You got to put it in the oven and like let yeah. it transform. You know, and then you got, well, then you really got something like, wow, now I got, I had this batter is pretty good, but look at this cake, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's a process, you know, and there's a certain mystery to all that, which some soil scientists could probably just be like, well, Kevin, it was just like ABC, it, right. you know? Right. No, uh, it, it seemed more like magic right. to me than science. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That's part of, part of the joy, it's the ineffable experience of, of all this. Yeah. Um, one other thing real quick. Are you familiar with the uh, Azure standard? I don't, I don't believe so. Okay. Might want to check them out. Um, started here in the gorge, kind of where I live, which and that was just by pure accident. I came across Azure standard when I was looking for some place to, to buy, you know, healthier food. I, I came across them and then it turned out they were fairly local here. Um, similar story to yours. The, the, um, guy who's running it now, Family Farm, 
Um, he started when he was really young and, and started to convert it to more organic and then sustainable and now regenerative. And But then he started, you know, he had the same story you did. I, I'm producing all this great food. Where do I sell it? How do I keep this going as a business? And he started partnering with other farms and helping them. Then he started distributing the food, and they are nationwide now. I think they are the largest um, distributor of, I guess we'll use the word organic, um, just a, yeah. just an amazing company. We, we have him. They're one of our partner companies now, but uh, I was just wondering if you were. I think the only place they don't deliver is far north New England right now. And, and the way they work well, I'm sure is, is they, they, they will deliver directly to your house, but it's so expensive that almost nobody does that. What they have are drop points. Right. Like uh, 20 minutes right. away, gotcha. there's a, a natural grocer, and they just set up a, an area in the back where um, a truck comes in, drops off everybody's stuff, and you just show up and pick up your stuff. Um, some people right. do it at their home. I mean, if you can get enough people together that you have minimum orders, um, you can have it once a month. There's actually somebody right here in town about a half mile away from me that gets a delivery once a month. So I'll just have mine delivered there on that week. And then the other week I drive 20 minutes to get it. But um, just a just a really interesting company. Yeah, I'm sure I've got selective attention on that. Now, now that you pointed them out, I'll see them everywhere. Yeah, probably. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, he's been a great resource for me because he understands the, the microclimate. So I'm kind of selfish when I get him on the air. I, I talk about, you know, my garden and how, how he can help me. No, that's, that's the way it's got to be. I mean, your caller is like, it would be preposterous of me to make any like concrete suggestions other than can you do it? Yes. Do you need an expert? Yes. Do you need a passionate expert to match your passion? Uh, win-win, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, like how, you know, you, when you go, go to get your car diagnostic uh, checked, uh, you know, you're going to go to a professional. Um, you know, when you need to have that, your teeth worked on, you're going to go to a professional in all likelihood. You know, you need a cavity filled. The same thing goes with it, with all this stuff with agriculture. And I wasn't being like, mm, like pithy about saying like, have a YouTube video. Oh, because, absolutely. Like, a, yeah. Like if I, I could have, videos when I was starting out. Oh my God. Oh, right. Like, I would have saved years of mistakes. Exactly. On uh, just some really basic. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I know we've got to wrap this up and let you get on with your day. Lauren, anything you want to finish with? No, I think that pretty much covers it for us. Thank you so much oh. for all your insight. I really appreciate it. Wait a minute. I do have one, two oh, other things, happened. two other things. Before All I forget right, this, um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it, is it possible for somebody to visit you in a semi truck at the farm? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not our farm is not like set up to, re- to receive semis, but we've had them come down here. You just have to be an extraordinarily good operator. It, all, all everybody that listens to us is all of them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we can, we can get a semi down our road. So it, the, the driver, yeah, the driver it, might be a little, uh, little remiss when they get back here. You know, that's a good warning. You know, I, I so many times drivers <laughs> know you call someplace and say, "Hey, you know, you're a little out of the way. Can I get a truck in there?" Like, oh yeah, we get trucks all the time. 
and they're talking about 20-foot straight trucks, and we're coming in with a 75-foot semi. Um, so the, the drivers understand that. Um, Polyface, um, we have drivers show up there all the time because, you know, we have Joel on a couple times a year, and uh, he loves it when they show sure. up there. So I just thought I'd run it by. We have a lot of people that, well, not a lot, but it's not like, you know, three are going to show up in the same day ever. Um, but maybe call right. you and, and see, um, because I'm sure we have people that would love to see your farm. The other thing I didn't realize until um, just this morning when I was doing a little more homework, you've got a new book out, 2021, right? Uh, yeah, we've, uh, there's, there's always, always uh, some projects percolating. But uh, yeah, we, uh, we put out Start Your Farm. Um, which, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, my agent is diligently, uh, shopping some stuff as we speak. So, got it. Um, got like, it. I, like I told you, I try not to have any more ideas. Uh, <laughs> I've, got, there's, I've had too many. I, I have I'm that just, same I want, affliction. I right. Yeah. I, I have a yeah, struggle with happy. that because I don't need any more ideas. I have more than I could ever work on, but all my best ideas seem to come in the shower for some reason. And yeah, I have this funny. struggle where if I take showers, I come up with too many ideas. And if I don't take showers, people don't want to be around me, which isn't always a bad thing. So um, I've got that struggle. But I, I just downloaded uh, Growing Tomorrow. It looks like a really interesting book. Oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah, that was that was a fun, fun project. In fact, I got out your way, probably not too far from you, to uh, uh, Randy Kiyokawa's farm uh, right in the uh, uh, sh- shadow of Hood, Hood Mountain. Really? Um, which I think you're. Oh yeah, yeah. Randy Kiyokawa's uh, orchard. Uh, I bet I bet is not that far from you. Oh, I bet it's like well, I'm I'm less than an hour from Mount Hood. I mean, I can be up at the top of Mount right. Hood in an hour. Uh, I can be at the base of it in about yeah. 40 minutes. So, yeah, um, I have a feeling. He must be right there in the yeah, Hood true. River Valley. Oh, he must be in the Fruit Loop. Yeah, pro- probably. Uh, I, I, I can't recall the exact the exact town, but a terrific guy and a, and a wonderful, fabulous grower uh, right in your backyard there. Oh, I, well, I can't read, wait to read about that in the book and maybe go out there and visit them. We have a... a, a yeah partner company a product we sell in our store called monkey brittle really really unique product there's nothing else like it. it's pretty incredible stuff but the um the couple that developed the product um has a uh well they bought an apple cherry pear orchard um and then turned it to organic so i i kind of followed them through that process what a crazy process that is man yeah that's one you want to when you get to the end of it you want to get in the time machine and go back and tell yourself it's gonna <laughs> take five times as long cost five times as much that's that's what i went through with them every year watching them uh, it was just uh just an incredible process all right forrest i know we we got to cut you loose i'd love to get you back again uh, sometime soon. I'd like to do this more often with you if, if you could find the time anything at all you want to close with um, I look, we just came down, uh, from, from Thanksgiving and we're heading into the holidays. Uh, great time to, uh, be thinking about taking care of ourselves. Um, uh, I started practicing yoga recently and you know where, why, how I, why I started practicing yoga is, uh, you, you guys know Steve Earl, the musician. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
he's got a show on outlaw country called Steve Earle's hardcore troubadour. Uh, and I've always been a great admirer of his music. And he was just on there one day, just like kind of pontificating, uh, about the benefits of yoga for him. I guess he's probably in his <laughs> mid yeah. like that. And he's like, I wish I started doing yoga. I can't do a Steve Earle impersonation, but you know, when in my forties, right. like I'm in my forties. There you go. You know, I could go back and tell my forties. And so, uh, thanks to Steve Earle, uh, I started doing yoga, uh, which has just been, uh, revolutionary uh, for I'll me. Bet. Uh, so, so yeah, my, you know, I wonder if you're out there to... hustling to get, yeah, I wonder if you had yeah, the same experience with yoga as I did. So just to kind of set it up a little bit, I, I grew up wrestling and coaching wrestling in my second business. I opened a gym when I was 19, and it was a pretty hardcore powerlifting, bodybuilding. So when I would look at yoga, I would kind of, you know, smirk and say, yeah, that's for women and sissies. Um, <laughs> kind of Tongue in cheek, kind of, until I tried it. It is incredibly difficult in the beginning. I was shocked at how hard it is. Kevin, I was sweating. I, I sweated. It, it was if I if I wasn't if I was self conscious, I would have been embarrassed. I was not embarrassed, but I could not not see how much sweat I produced. Yeah, it's amazing. When, when you look at it, it looks so easy. You're like, oh, okay, so you get. Get in that pose and try hold. Just try getting into that pose in the beginning. Most of them I can't even come close to. And about fifteen seconds in, I'm almost in tears. It hurts so much. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, make no mistake. Uh, nobody's going to confuse uh, Steve Burrow with the sissy. Yeah, so if, he, exactly. if he does, it's good yeah. enough for me. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, once you get used to it, it is really, really beneficial. We're we're big promoters of of that kind of stuff here. Much better than getting on a treadmill for thirty minutes and doing this repetitive motion over and over and over, which just isn't very natural. Um, I, yoga, I think, is pretty incredible. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, my parting message is: it's the holidays where we think about other people do that but guys please please take some self-care and you got to be intentional about that uh it is unlikely that anybody's going to take care of you as well as you're going to take care of yourself and uh that has to that has to come with internal intention great message you're not going to get a gift certificate yeah, there you go <laughs> there you go great message all right Forrest. again mm -hmm. thanks so much great conversation today and hope to get you back real soon thank you kevin yes. look Lovely to meet you. You guys have a great day. All right. Take care. You as well. Thank you. All right. Lauren, I uh, I had a feeling you two could talk for six hours with no problem. Yes, definitely. He is, he's got a lot of information. <laughs> I love to pick his brain on some specifics. <laughs> yeah, you, you should go. But like he said. If you haven't read his book, Gaining Ground, you said, should go you know? read that. Just an incredible story. Yes, I have it right here in front of me. Oh, yeah. I didn't See. get to finish it before today, but I yeah, do have it great, in front of me. Great book. And I, I am, I'm a, like 99% sure that was the book that Matt recommended. Pretty sure I, I can't. You know, in the beginning, I used to get him and Joel Salatin mixed up. I actually think Joel Salatin wrote the foreword for his book. I think he did. Yes. Yeah. Because I think Joel, I think, yes, he says something about, how 
he was very impressed because, you know, Joel has a ton of people coming by his farm who are inspired by, by what he does, but are they really going to take the information and, and, you know, use it is a whole other, you know, question. Right. So he was very impressed by Forrest and that he had, he came you know, with the right questions and, and whatnot. And, you know, here he is, he's, he's walking the walk. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I haven't looked, but I, I, just realized when we were talking to him that he can't be very far away. I mean, they are they're, They've got to be within a couple hours of each other at the most. Um, I know he's yeah. Maryville is really close to West much, Virginia, yeah. but uh, I'm pretty sure he's still in the Shenandoah Valley there. Um, kind of looking on a map right now. Oh yeah, they're really close. I'll, uh, you know, I'm going to make it a point this time. I almost made it to Polyface when I was out on the road this last time, and then the breakdowns happened and I had to get back. But um, we're going to hit the road, I'm thinking sometime in January if they get our coach done. Uh, We're going to head south down like San Diego. I have a bunch of places and, you know, deep out kind of into the desert in Southern California that we love to just go park for a while and hang out and then... When I head across the south, we'll probably hit, uh, oh, you know, Arizona, New Mexico. There's a bunch of places there I like. And then once we leave New Mexico, there's not a whole lot I want to see between there and Florida. Uh, but when we get to Florida, we want to come see you. We, Brittany's there. We want to see her. Lisa's got family there, mm-hmm. so we want to visit there. And then we have the truck show in Louisville at the end of March. And I'm thinking that right after the truck show, I may want to take a week and just head over there. We're, we're only maybe like six hours away when we're in Louisville um, and visit both of the farms. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're in that area, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's grab a call because Ben has been very, very patient. Ben in Alberta, welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin and Lauren. Hey, uh, I read the book. It's actually a pretty good book, uh, Gaining Ground. But great story, those Ellison's books are also. Oh, yeah. 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 Those Ellison's books are also pretty pretty good. I read them. I read three of them already. Did you read, uh, I'll probably butcher this title, but uh, Folks, This Ain't Normal? I think that's the title. Yes, yeah, I read it. That was a good Uh, one. The the Pigness of the Pig, I read it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those books are actually pretty amazing. They are. All three of them. He's got four or five of them. It's hard to keep up with it. He's got some books that sometimes are even hard to find when you search. I I think he's got a couple out there that I probably haven't read yet, but uh, he's just an amazing writer. Yeah, those books, they make you... They, they make you start thinking about different stuff. Yeah. You, you have different opinions on everything as like on life in general. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I was gonna review a NutriQ with, uh, you see what your thoughts are. Okay. Uh, All right. did you, did you have it? Let me see. I have a copy of it. Did you get one, Kevin? I believe I do have one here. Yep. I have the comparison from 
May of 2022 till just now, November 28th of 2022. So really recent. Um, mm-hmm. Let me look. Uh, you are exhibiting a common pattern, right, Lauren? Aren't we seeing a lot of this? We've actually been talking about this for a couple of years now. Yeah, I'm curious, though, Ben. Can you fill us in on, on what your diet is like? Keto and carnivore. Some some meals are carnivore-ish and then mostly keto. Like half and half, okay. I'd say. Half carnivore, half keto. So, did, Great. And are you getting any ferment oh, from your diet? Fermented food? Yes, I started. I started the last uh, four or five months more and more. Like uh, more yog, the homemade yogurt, sauerkraut, stuff like that. Okay, go ahead, Kevin. Did you have a question? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, you know, this is a common pattern. So, how when did you start eating keto or carnivore? Uh, it's uh, a year and two months ago. So, so when you took the NutriQ in May, um, you had that was probably showing us all the improvements you had made in your health, right? Um, yeah, somewhat. But one concern I'm having is uh, there's there's a few trick questions in the NutriQ. I'm not sure if I answered them like. There's no trick questions. You know? we're, we're not trying to fool anybody. They're, <laughs> they're not tricks, but they're, they're, they're tricky, different. you know, yeah, for right, right. where do you feel the pain? Where do you feel this and that? Then. Right. Stuff right. like that. But one thing is lower back uh, pain that I'm still having. And it's it's linked to my lower part of my, my stomach. I feel it. Sometimes I feel it on the right side coming in and then sometimes on the left side. Like the last three weeks, it's been on the left side. So what, what, and kind, when of, I have back what pain, kind of symptoms? It, it strains to the front. Um, like I could feel it all the way around my, the, my hip to the front of my stomach pain. And it kind of surges on and off. Is it, and, uh, is it I'm not possible? sure what that is. Is it possible that this could be muscle pain? Uh, it could be. So one Not of the sure. things you could try is, is when the pain comes on and you can feel it in a specific spot, use ice. And if, if you get really quick relief with some ice, it's probably muscle pain. This is a part of the body where... It can be hard to distinguish between is there some organ giving me problems right there or is this just muscle pain? The reason I say that, that what you're describing, there's almost no organ that would cause that. About the best we might be able to come up with is, is maybe you've got some dysbiosis and you're getting gas in the, in the um, upper small intestine and, and that can kind of create pain all around because our intestines are you know, in that whole area, and that could even radiate into the back a little bit. But the one thing I always try to make sure we're, we're not addressing organs when it's really just muscle pain. So you might want to just 
really kind of when it happens, maybe listen to your body, maybe try a little bit of ice. Because what you're describing, Lauren, anything coming to mind for you with pain in that area other than like possibly SIBO? I mean, there, there just aren't any organs in that part of the body that really cause that. No, that's, I agree. It's just small and large intestines in that area. Um, yeah, for sure. But I am seeing, you know, on the NutriQ results, the, the large intestine being, you know, a factor here. So that's good that you're incorporating the fermented foods. That's great. Um, but, you know, and, and there are some things as I go through some of the questions on the NutriQ that are pointing to, I know that your liver gallbladder on this chart is showing in the low priority, but I have a feeling it's in a higher priority than it's actually showing. Uh, there are some questions that could be related to that, um, you know, like not properly formed stool, you know, back and forth between, you know, soft and, and normal stool. So, and then I'm seeing fatty acids, really high priority. So I I'm, I'm, have a feeling you're having a hard time breaking down your fats properly which can also be, you know, cause some discomfort definitely in that area as, as well as, you know, the softer stools. So what I would recommend initially just from looking at this and the little bit that we have learned is some digestive support. So your upper GI is in the medium priority range. And if you're eating, you know, between, you know, your carnivore and keto, that's, a lot of protein. So we want to make sure you're really breaking those down properly, those proteins and then uh, supporting liver and gallbladder. So two supplements to help digestion. And then what, you know, another question is what kind of fats are you eating? Are you other than, you know, the fats that are coming in, you know, the animal form, what, like, what are you cooking your foods with and, and stuff like that? Yeah, it's like mostly olive oils, avocado oil, Okay. Um, Great. Uh, so those bacon are, grease, uh, yeah. stuff like that. But like my stools are very back and forth. Sometimes oh, yeah. they're nice and sometimes they're not well formed. And so it's, I don't know, I haven't figured out my digestion quite right. So I know something's going on with my digestion. That's, that's actually right. one of my number one priorities. So I think Lauren's kind of. I think that's linked to my back pain. It could be that it's so I think Lauren's kind of nailed that on a specific place to get started to make improvements. I do want to talk a little bit more about the big picture. What changed Mm -hmm. in May or after May between May and now doesn't sound like your diet changed much. And you went pretty far backwards in most areas. Um, and again, this is a common pattern for us, and almost always, it's stress. If the diet hasn't changed, and, and Lauren can work with you and address the specific things that you could work on to improve digestion, fat digestion, you know, protein digestion, all of those things, and that's going to help. But it may not be the root cause in this case. It, it, it may be something mm-hmm. we need to address, but it may not be the root cause. Why did all of these things go backwards? That That's really, if the diet didn't change, you know, I could see maybe needing a little more work on digestion, but we're also looking at, you know, your mineral balance, your fatty acid balance, your sugar handling, your vitamin needs, mm. uh, your thyroid went way up, your, 
you know, your kidney and bladder went way up. Your cardiovascular went way up. Something changed a lot. And it doesn't sound like it was your diet. It did. Did you, has there been some sort of a traumatic event in your life? No, there's, there's been nothing really. Okay. What about changes in and work? My diet really hasn't changed nothing either except for more fermented foods. And like the yogurt is on and off, but depending how good access I have to a uh, good uh, half and half. Yeah, I, that's. So, I, I don't. But nothing think, really has changed. I, yeah. I'm trying to do the protocol and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know what what else. The the stress protocol, you mean? Yes. So when you say try, so what I've been doing is okay, cold me. exposure and Wim Hof breathing. Okay, those are the two things that I'm doing. Those are good. I would absolutely add the resistance training, even if it's just body weight stuff. And it doesn't have to be much. 10 minutes, three or four times a week can make a huge difference. But something else has changed here. Uh, you know, and, and while we're, you're working with Lauren on digestion, um, we should just keep our eyes and you should kind of really kind of listen to your body, look around at what may have changed in your life. Something, because your, your changes are almost all across the board. That could be digestion, but it's kind of unusual for right. digestion to go so far south for no apparent reason. One of the things that absolutely affects our digestion negatively is stress. Yeah. And but, yeah, it could be um, probably like I'm not doing the stress protocol more like enough. And But what else I've noticed is uh, I have to eat a lot of fat in order for my di- uh, my bowel movements to be regularly and and well formed. Like I'm talking a lot. Uh, that wouldn't. So I, I'm, eat, I'm kind um, of the same we way. We eat roast. Uh, yeah, we eat roast duck uh, once or twice a week, and they have lots of fat. Oh yeah, good fat. And when too. I eat them, I feel very good, very good, and. Bowel, bowel movements are very well informed. So. That, that's a good sign. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, that, that's a good sign. So you are listening oh. to your body at, around the food yeah. issue, and that's great. Um, and and when you find a food like that that your body likes, well, then that's a good sign. Uh, I, I love duck. Uh, duck's one of my favorite foods. I cook with duck fat. Uh, I love cooking with duck fat. I think that you probably it's just amazing oh yeah yeah it's so good um i I think you do need to to work on the stress part of this while you're working on the specifics as well yeah i agree yeah i just wanted to get your insights and then i'll do a discovery call and then go from there i guess i would do a discovery call and then what i would also do since we've already had this amount of time to, to ask you a bunch of questions and dive into something. What would help me is if you kept a food journal and you can do that right in the, you know, the better app. And what that is going to help me do is start connecting the dots between what is causing you to have these um, inconsistent bowel movements and, you know, kind of fine tune that. So if you keep a food journal, that will definitely 
that would be the next step. So usually we do a 10 minute discovery call, which goes similarly to what we just did. And then I would recommend at least a five day food journal before I work one-on-one with somebody. And that's just to help us see the bigger picture and see what's really going on. And it actually helps you as well, you know, realize what exactly you're putting in your body, the times you're putting it in your body, how you're feeling after you eat certain things. So I highly recommend you keeping a food journal. Right. Yeah, I can try and do that. And then we can go from there and work further, I guess. Yeah. That's a good start. Okay. I think that's, that kind of gives me a good uh, direction to go in. Good. Sounds like a plan. Perfect, then. All right. We will follow up on that as well. Let's go to California. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Lauren. I hope you're all well. Yeah. What's on your mind today? Hi. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Lauren. Hey there. (laughs) Hi. That's Tammy. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Hi. uh, Hey, uh, what... what, uh, 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 bands are you guys are you currently using let's say for you know on the X3 bar are you on like let's say like your legs and your chest um, are you uh, using yeah which size band yeah yeah well, and, and length yeah mine gets confusing now because I have two separate sets of bands I have the original bands and I still use some of those for some things <laughs> But a lot of the stuff I've switched yeah. to the shorter bands, and now I get them all right. mixed up. I, you know, I, I have found, and, and this is for me, and it's always been this way, um, I need a band that I'm failing right around 15 or 20. If I can get more than 20, I'll go up in a band. And I know he recommends sometimes even yeah. 30 or 40 before you go up. Um, I have found that I respond better to more resistance, less repetition. So, for example, when when I used to work out with free weights, a set of 12 was a lot. I mean, we used to do sets of four and six with really heavy weights. Um, There are a couple exceptions to that. Typically, small muscles, I do better with more repetition, like calves. Like, I can do a set of 40 on calves and get a lot out of it. If I try to do a set of 40 deadlifts, I don't seem to get anywhere. You know, I don't progress very fast when I do it like that. So I tend to move up in bands quicker uh, and keep my reps down. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's say, like, your legs. Are you using the black the black band that, the, the, that it comes with? You know, the... the the no, biggest one? no, on my legs, I, never, I, okay. I, I think I'm using the comparable, well, the other issue when you go to a shorter band, you go to a band with less resistance because there's more, if I take two bands that are comparable in their resistance, but one shorter, then they're not comparable oh, in their resistance. The shorter one has much more right. resistance, <laughs> right? Right, yeah, no, I meant the one it comes with, it's long, you know, the black, yeah, the, the no. ones they come with, they're all about 41 or so, but right. for the legs, you know, you get such a long stretch that, I mean, I, I use the black one for legs, and I I don't get enough on the, you on know, the it, it for chest, yeah, so right. that green, the green um, serious steel, 
bands. Correct. It's, uh, it's yeah, that one, uh, you know, I had bought, you know, the blue and the green. Well, I bought, I bought all of them because they're shorter. Right. And I've been getting about, you know, I can get up to 20 and fail, you know, on the green now, but that black one, I think I wasted my money because I can't even move that 32 inch either. black, uh, serious steel. I, I, I can't either. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I try to do just with that. I try to do it without it looped around itself. Just a, a straight one with it, uh, on a squat. And I yeah. swear I can't, I mean, I'm, that's where I'm going to start, but uh, yeah, no, I, I maybe thought, I can stretch it out. I actually thought mine was defective. Like mine doesn't stretch. It's so tight. Yeah, I can't use that. I bought the black it, yeah. one too, and I can't use it at all. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'm, yeah, I was just wondering. So, yeah, uh, loving that. And uh, Lauren, are you, are you? I definitely can't use the black one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, are you, are you, are you X Barn? Are you X3 Barn? It's, yes, I, that's to cool. be completely honest, I've been doing quite a bit of yoga lately because my body, I just, my body's been telling me that I need to be getting more stretching in. So, um, mainly because I have really tight hips and I did a lot of driving. I had a sister sister get married, so I had to drive and I was in the car a lot for a lot of out for many hours and my hips are notorious for getting locked up. So, I've been so no surfing? Uh, lately, no, not really. Actually, Dang. yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. I have not. I have not had the opportunity to get out there in the past couple of weeks. Believe it or not. <laughs> uh, well, I, I had another. Yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. I had another one about the you know the fermented or uh, fermenting peppers and the honey. Oh, I was going to say Tammy loves the X three. By the way, she's doing it. Good as well, but uh, Good. as far as uh, you know, I've been seeing it fermenting the, the uh, peppers. I wanted to do it. I wanted to. How long do we uh, ferment them for? Is typically so. I, you know, how would I know the peppers are ready or fermented or, or the, so the honey as here, well? Yeah, here's the thing: you can do this as short as about forty eight hours, and you get a, a really the the honey changes dramatically wow. in forty eight hours. It is. It goes from, like I said, it goes from about a 90-weight gear oil viscosity down to about a 20-weight wow. synthetic oil viscosity. It pours like maybe half and half. Yeah. It's kind of got that viscosity, um, way different than honey. And so even three weeks would be fine? Oh, three like weeks. If I left is, it and went on the road and came back, it'd be great? Absolutely. Like I say, you, you can okay. have a really different product in about 48 hours. You will get all the heat really wow. quickly. The honey will thin right out really quickly. Or you could leave it for three months if you want. I, I was making my barbecue sauce and we, we canned a lot as well, you know, but I was like, and I like it, you know, it's vinegary and it's got. Heath Tabasco and red chili flakes, but then I, I used habanero this time, you know, uh, from that store bought. So it was a yellow bird makes one, you know, that okay. yeah. kind of a clean ingredients. Yeah. Okay. But man, I was like, man, I bet there's something better. Like, you know, I kept thinking about what you're doing, you know, add to barbecue sauce or something. And then, uh, also, and I was thinking about Serrano, like doing, you know, Ser Serrano's and have you ever tried, 
and I wanted to ask you, have you ever tried doing uh, your fermented maybe jalapeno or serrano in, in a, and making a uh, avocado uh, sauce with it? An or is that weird? Avocado. Well, you know, you throw them in and blend it all. Oh, yeah, like no, a cream. I, cream, I, I cream, haven't crema. tried that yet, but it would be really good. Every kind of sauce really? that I make, adding this hot honey makes it all better. In a way that nothing else does. You know, I always put heat into my barbecue sauce. But I tend to use other hot sauces, like maybe a hot sauce I made myself. Or adding this this time when I yeah. did a batch of barbecue sauce, adding my habanero honey just made the best Having sauce honey. ever. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was, it's... So the peppers, though, if I take them out, you know, and, and put them, say I want to make a salsa or... You just blend them up, right, with the with onion, garlic, and so whatever else you and you would use, right? I, I love sauces in general. So for me, I get two products out of this one ferment. So you put the peppers in the honey, let it ferment till the honey's the way you want it. And sometimes that it's forty eight hours, and it, and it's I, I love it like that. Sometimes it's two weeks. Sometimes I forget about how long okay. it's even been sitting there. Once I take the peppers yeah. out of the honey. Then you use the honey for all kinds of stuff. But I like to, as I'm, I'm doing small batches sometimes and then bigger batches and I've got peppers everywhere. I've got a big jar or several of them and I'll take the peppers out of the honey and put them in the jar and then I'll just cover them with white vinegar. And then they can just sit out, you know, they're, they're, they're preserved forever like that. And then when I want some hot sauce or I've got some time, you just throw that in the blender. The the white vinegar and the, the peppers, you get the right ratio so you get the, the viscosity you want. And that's a base sauce. And then you can just, I'll taste that and see what it tastes like. And then, okay, this needs some depth. So I'll put in some roasted tomatoes or roasted carrots. Or it's just the, the possibilities are endless but m about 95% of the peppers that I take out of the honey go to making sauce. The other 5%, like I said, you chop them up, mix them into goat cheese. They're amazing like that. You could put it in salsas. Um, there's a lot you could do with it. But most of mine are, are getting turned into sauces. You know, serranos, uh, garlic, uh, uh, onion, uh and then like, you know, two avocados in a blender and maybe, you know, yeah. and you make like a crema sauce. Uh, you think that the peppers that would be, would be really fine good. in that and something like that too? Yeah, that would really? be really Okay. Good. you have a question? You want to talk? Okay. Hey, Tammy's got a question. Sure. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. You're welcome. Hi. Hey there. Hi. So, okay. Um, back on the, um, the using the honey for the peppers. Um, so a couple years ago, I was trying to, uh, with the garlic, I was putting them in olive oil. Okay. And I read somewhere that Botulism. that could possibly grow by, right. Yep. So what is the difference between the olive oil and the honey? I don't know. And I need to go research that. I have not done garlic in honey. But if you read about why you shouldn't preserve garlic in olive oil or any kind of oil it's because it's an anaerobic environment there's no oxygen 
And that gotcha. that is the condition that would allow botulism to grow. Now, there's two issues there with honey. So garlic itself could have a small amount of botulism spores in it. And then if we keep it in that oil and those spores grow, and then, you know, months or a year from now, we try to consume that garlic, you could get botulism poisoning. I mean, that is a real issue. Honey seems to be even worse. Have you ever seen the warnings, you know, you shouldn't give honey to an infant? Yes. Do you know why? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing botulism? Yeah. Yeah, honey does. It's very common okay. for honey to have small amounts of botulism, which wouldn't bother us as adults, but we do, mm-hmm. we're very careful about that with infants. So I got, I had the same thought you did. Wait a minute. How can I be right. putting garlic into this when we're not supposed to put garlic in an anaerobic environment? So I haven't used, right. uh, I have used garlic, but I've done it quickly, like just a couple days. Okay. Uh, let the garlic okay. infuse, and then I take the garlic right back out. So I think that may be why we can do this. But I also, I okay. haven't seen any kind of warnings. You know, I'm telling people, look, if you want to leave your peppers in there for six months, go ahead. It's not going to hurt anything, but I'm not so sure we should be doing that with garlic. But I don't know the answer for sure. Okay. Well, I'm thinking I'm going to err on the other side of safety yeah. <laughs> since I almost poisoned myself with the um, with those eggs. <laughs> I try to preserve them. Um, yeah. So um, I'm I'm yeah going to be very cautious. Okay. I have another question. Sure. So I really really want to get on the um, the Garmin watch kick. Okay. You know I love numbers like you guys and all that, but I read EMF and I'm effed in the head over it. <laughs> you know, I know that I'm living in a bubble of EMFs as it is. I mean, do you really think the watch will cause much more damage or or so, do you think it will cause a lot of damage? So, I, I'm, you know, this is a tough issue for me because I'm so into technology and all the benefits of it. And my house is all wired up with stuff and I'm testing all these things. So the approach I kind of take to this is I, I can't eliminate EMFs unless I'm willing to go live out in the woods somewhere. Um, so how can I minimize them, but still, you know, get, it's one of those things that I have to look at the lesser of two evils possibly. I know that every device Mm -hmm. I get near my body has EMFs and that is having an impact on my health. How much we don't have a lot of really good research on. So I tend to only try to use those things that I can really get a benefit from. You know, for me, a lot of times it, it's testing and and that's just kind of the price I pay for what I do. Uh, and I, I try to make up mm-hmm. for that everywhere else I can. Um, I, I don't carry my phone around in my pocket the way I used to. Um, I usually, unless I'm using my phone, I stay away from it. Um, I always, right. a couple hours a day or weekends, I try to get away from electronics completely. You know, no computer, no laptop, very little, if any, TV. Um, I, I do read on my Kindle. I should probably go back to more traditional books more often, but I really, really like the Kindle. Um, but I, 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 I'm conscious of the fact that there are EMFs around, and I do everything I can to minimize them. 
But then people would say, well, yeah, but you had three wearables on the other day. I, I know. It's what I do. I don't know any other way of testing it and getting this information. And I think that there's more value in the information than the damage that I might be doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I know. I'm just, I get inside my own head and I actually put together this whole plan of getting like an EMF driving suit. Yeah, <laughs> like no, sweatpants, I, I, sweatshirt. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, I, I get it. And, and, and a blanket. And, yeah, why, why not do those things? You know, when I, when I was doing the research mm-hmm. on the uh, infrared saunas, you know, one of the reasons we went with the blanket we went with, it was one of the lowest EMF on the market. Now that I'm working on these yeah. lights and these other options, I've really settled on sauna space because it is, it's the only one I think that can actually claim zero EMF. I mean, there's no measurable like EMF. Yeah. So they're expensive, um, but that's a place where I'll spend some money so I can minimize the EMFs that I'm exposed to. Yeah, I'm very excited for you to come up with something for the truck because that's the last piece of the um, stress protocol that I don't do is the uh, the light therapy. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. But yeah, I'm thinking about buying a, a one-size-fits-all for me and Jeremy, a pair of sweatpants and sweatshirt. I think I'm going to maybe drive in it because I, I do think about that a lot. Like there's computers oh, all around us right. in this truck now. You know, I know. It's, it's awful. I'm just getting bombarded. So what about glutathione? What about, because I was watching Dr. Lynch and he says uh, he has a glutathione protocol for people who are around EMFs. What do you think about supplementing that? So glutathione is, is really what we call a master antioxidant. There are lots and lots of antioxidants. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing a specific protocol designed to, to help counter those problems. It, it wouldn't have to be that particular. I, I, I'm not familiar with that one, so I can't really comment on it, other than glutathione is what we consider our one of our master antioxidants. And I do believe we... And this is... This is where I think that if we're pure carnivore, we may be missing out on some things. Pure carnivore in the mm-hmm. wild might work really, really well. I, I, I believe that. I have come to the point where I look at plants as more medicine than food. So most of our really powerful antioxidants come from plants. So I do try to include the, the nutrients that are, are antioxidants because that is how we kind of counteract the damage from the EMFs. So if there's a specific protocol, I'll, I'll go look at that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, check out Dr. Can. You know Dr. Ben Lynch, right? Uh, the, yeah, the name sounds familiar. I just don't think I've seen much from him in quite a while. Yeah, so that's where uh, the protocol came that I'm referring to. Yeah, I'll, ch- is, I'll check that. Uh, ben Lynch. Okay, and maybe um, I can message you on. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, I I personally I do think about EMS as well quite often, and initially that's why I chose the um, the Aura Ring because it I has an option to go on on airplane mode, and at the time it was the only wearable that had that option. But I just did a quick search, and like I said, this was very quick search for Garmin watches on airplane mode because you would think that by now they would have, you know, thought about that. And it looks as though you can put it on airplane mode now. Really? So I would, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I did a quick search and a couple things popped up, and I'm not 100% sure, but it looks as though 
it can be put on airplane mode. So I would look into that. Okay, then, so when it's on airplane mode, it's able to gather the information, but just not transmit it to your device, right? And that's where the EMS come from. Typically, yes. So okay. my I put my I put my my aura ring on airplane mode. Um, whatever, all day long, it's on airplane mode, and the only time I take it off is when I upload the data to my phone. So I do it right before I go to bed, and I do it right when I wake up. So I'm even I remember hearing on airplane mode. I remember hearing you say that, and that's one of the things I was wrestling with was the aura ring or the watch, but I really like all the talk about that watch. <laughs> I know. So it's getting to me. Trust me. <laughs> and this is one of those areas now where, where they've made so many advances in accurately measuring HRV and then using that to correlate to stress that even if I know I'm getting EMFs from this, it, it, in my mind, it's worth it this data that I'm able to get mm-hmm. on, on HRV and stress is priceless. We, we've never had this kind of instant feedback that we've been able to, I, I need to put more out on this. Every time I sit down to try to put this into some sort of a course or a webinar or a presentation, I learn something else new and I think, okay, well, I got to work through this and then I'll do it. And there's just so much. But it is, I am able to absolutely customize my workouts and my day to fit in with, with where I am physically at the moment. I mean, there are days where I just say, no, I, I'm not doing the stress protocol today. I am doing almost nothing today because there are times that's when what my body needs. It just needs that pure recovery time. Then there are other days where, you know, I, I kind of feel like, uh, well, maybe I'm not feeling all that great, but I look and all my readings say, no, you should go do the workout. And I go do it and I feel incredible when I'm done. It, it, it's just information we've never been able to access before. Yeah, it, it's, you know, cause I, my shift is uh, like 2 to 3 p.m. is when I start and I drive till either between 1 and 4 a.m. So I really want to know what my sleep's like because I'm yeah. woke up constantly. I'm one of those, you know, team issue. But one of the it, things it also, I will say uh, was, <laughs> about all okay. of the wearables, all of them, and I've tested so many of them, I'm actually reorganizing my whole studio and we're, we're going to build a video studio in here. And so I, I went through all these boxes and boxes of devices that I've tested. I forgot about most of these things the best on the market. And, and if I were to point out the two best, the two we're talking about right now, the Aura Ring and the Garmin Watch, neither one, none of these devices are accurate for sleep. None of them. We, oh. I, I, there is so much we still don't understand about sleep. And that's really what all this testing has told me, is you can use whatever device you're using will help you because you can at least see when your sleep is improving based on those readings. But trying to correlate the, the sleep scores to almost anything else, and, and why if I wear four different devices do I get four totally different readings on sleep? I, it's just all over the board. So there are some things I love from these devices. HRV, that, that's a big one for me. Um, a lot of the other things that it keeps track of, heart rate and steps and all that other stuff is great as well. The sleep, we, we still don't understand sleep. 
well, that's understandable. And I was I was laying in bed this morning just waiting for Jeremy to stop driving, and I started thinking about, is there, like, a Faraday, like, sleeve for watches? You know, like, you can still wear it? Or if not, maybe I've never seen one for watches. You could you could probably make one, but I'm not positive right? that that Garmin goes. That Garmin has that airplane mode now. Airplane looks okay. a little deeper, and I'm pretty sure they do. Okay. I'm I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm posting the link on Facebook so that someone who has one can test it. But um, and we'll see we'll see what they come back with. I'll do that now. That'd be great. Okay, yeah, and then Jeremy I, has one more question. I'm well, done. Thank t- you. Hold on, Tammy. Before you go. <laughs> oh yeah. Come, sure. come back. I. I just want to say, I think you're approaching this the right way. You, you, if you work hard and you're conscious of those EMFs, I think that's the right approach. We can't avoid them. They're everywhere now, but we can minimize them. And it sounds like you're really working hard on that. And I think that helps make up for the fact that, yes, I'm going to wear some of these devices because this information is too good not to have. So I think you're taking the right approach on this. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go invest the money in some uh, driving clothes then. There you go. <laughs> and a blanket. All right. <laughs> um, all right. I think we're done. He does not have another question. So Got it. Thank you so much, guys, for your all time. Right. All right. Have a good soon. day. Take care. You too. Mm-hmm. All right. Lauren, anything uh, you want to wrap up with today? Uh, just a reminder that today at 3 p.m. Eastern time, I will be doing a Facebook Live, and we are going to be talking about some good holiday gifts that you can get your loved ones, and they'll most likely be, or they'll mostly be some health-conscious things, obviously. So join us for that. Um, Other than that, you know, I'll also be posting a Lauren's plate later this afternoon, so keep an eye out for that. And that should pretty much wrap up what I have for the day. Got it. I have got uh, two commentaries that I need to record. They're all written. Uh, but yesterday I had the hot honey fiasco. Uh, so I didn't get to my recording yesterday. And today I just had a weird anomaly. I'm not sure what happened. Yesterday was really, really active for me. I did a lot of cleaning. Then we got a weird snowstorm out of the blue yesterday. So I did a lot of shoveling and um, it seems like those really active days mess with my sleep. You would think it would be the opposite. You know, you're that physically active all day. You would think I would just sleep better and I don't. Uh, So I didn't get a really good night of sleep last night. I've been on a, a pretty good pattern of sleep and last night I slept long. Uh, in fact, the reason I didn't record was I got up so late this morning. Um, you know, I was on that back on my pattern of waking up between 4.30 and 5 every day, and I loved it. Today I woke up, it was like 10 minutes to 7. And I don't set an alarm. I just let myself wake up. I kind of doubt that I would ever sleep right through the show. But uh, today was cutting it a little close. By the time I get up and, you know, get my morning functional drink made and wake up and, you know, get oriented. By that time, it was time to go live. So this afternoon, I will probably record those two commentaries. Oh, and I do want to let everybody know this show, if they're listening live, they've already heard it. Um, This show and my commentaries probably won't get loaded till later this evening. Usually they're, they're up there right away, but Aaron's, uh, Aaron's, 
really busy on something today, and he's not going to be able to get to posting those shows till later tonight. So I'm sure people will will post on the tribes asking where they are. So that's the answer. Um, if you happen to see any questions about it, Aaron will get them up later this evening. Oh, you know what? We do uh, we do have a we have Sarah on the line, so we're gonna grab this call. Uh, Sarah, welcome. Hey, I heard you guys talking about the honey fermented stuff, garlic specifically. You know, I had never read about the botulism risk with with garlic. And I saw on the Canning Rebels page about honey fermented garlic like a year ago. And I thought, oh, that sounds awesome. And I immediately went over to a natural store and bought some garlic cloves and cut them in half and threw them in some honey. And I still pull some out of that jar every other, every couple of days and eat, eat it. I didn't know there was a risk of botulism. So, it, it, again, I read about this years ago. And you know how you see you in the stores, you'll see decorative bottles of oil and they put herbs and garlic and all kinds of stuff in there. And, and some people just sit them on their counter and it yeah. looks nice. Um, that's when I read about this, that when you put garlic in an anaerobic environment, when there's no oxygen, um, there is a risk of growing botulism. I don't know how big the risk is. Maybe it's one of those things like, all the canning stuff we hear, it gets way blown out of proportion. Uh, but the first thing I thought about when I saw the honey fermented garlic, I'm like, well, wait a minute, you have two issues there around botulism. But I, I think a lot of people do it. I mean, I see nobody ever even mentions that when they talk about honey fermenting garlic. Hmm. Maybe it's not really an issue. It, it maybe, like I say, maybe it's just one of those things that it's remotely possible that it could happen, but it's pretty rare. Uh, I'm going to go I'll probably just add that to my reading list today. Maybe I'll just go um, just try to dive into that and see what the real story is there. That's all I had to add. I, I, I still pull that jar out and eat a couple pieces every once in a while. I put, I don't know if it makes any difference, but I put ginger and garlic in that jar. That's got to be yeah. really good. Yeah. And the, the cranberries and ginger I put up a couple of weeks ago, I haven't actually looked at in a couple of weeks. But like the very next day, the honey was already hot from the ginger but I forgot to break the wall of the cranberry, so they were still cold. The oh, yeah. Or so. But I haven't, I got to pull that jar out and look at it, see what's going on with that. Got it. Got it. But now, I was very excited the, on how quickly it became hot from the ginger. It, it is amazing how fast it happens. Like 36 to 48 hours, whatever you put in there is infusing that honey pretty quickly. Mm hmm. The, the one I'm really excited about, and I, I, I want to let this one go for at least three weeks, I think I have another week or a little more, um, is the last batch I did, I did a big batch of the um, fire cider. In, in, uh, this one isn't in Manuka. I did a small batch of the fire cider in Manuka, and that one was interesting. This is a, um, this is a three-gallon batch. And I used uh, wildflower mm -hmm. honey. And I've been tasting it every day. 
The wow. taste on this one is incredible. You know, the Manuka honey has such a strong taste that it kind of muddles all the other flavors a little bit. It's not bad, not bad at all, but this one with all that stuff in there, the horseradish, the turmeric, the black pepper, I've got rosemary and parsley. Um, I do have garlic in this one. Um, a lot of hot peppers. I used a blend of hot peppers. The, the flavor on this one is just, it's hard to describe. You have a recipe for that fireside or honey, or I guess it's fire honey, um, posted on the page yet? I don't because I haven't really, you know, one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to work out how much of these each ingredient is really necessary. You know, am I putting way more of something in than I really need? Or can I, could I get away with a much smaller amount? Um, it wouldn't matter much if you're doing small batches at home. But, you know, when I'm, even right now, I'm doing three-gallon batches. That That's a lot of honey. I don't want to, you know, waste a bunch of ingredients right. that I don't need. So I'm, I'm still really trying to work out how much of each one of these ingredients you need. Okay, well, I'll keep my eye out for that. Have a, thank you for the show today. Real interesting. I love listening to Forrest Pritchard's. Oh, I'd like to get over to those farms myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you guys would love it. Um, I, I know I'm looking forward to it. And now that I know he's got a farm-to-table restaurant there in a tiny little town like Berryville, oh. that's exciting. And I had no idea that they've got this bed and breakfast inn that's been in the family for like nine generations. Wow. I know. I know. That's a... That's on my bucket list now. I have to get to the Shenandoah Valley. Yes. Actually, I'll be driving down 81 today, but I can't you know, oh. stop. Oh, that's frustrating. Calling, yeah. I'll be driving right by. Yeah. Right now. I, you know, I think uh, even though he's pretty remote, I, I think Polyface is almost close enough to 81. If you hollered really loud when you went by, they might hear you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> you guys have a good day. All right. Have a great day. You too. All right, Lauren, the calls keep coming in, so I guess we're going to keep taking them. we got uh, about 20 minutes left in the show. So, uh, Bob, in Kansas, it's your turn. Hey, Kevin. How's it going today? Good. What's I on just, your mind? I uh, just was going to... Oh, uh, this crazy book that I stumbled upon, or that I, I guess it's out there, but it's called Brain Energy, and I talked about it last week, but I just, I, I've gotten further into it. I just cannot believe, you know, this whole diet thing, you know, you do it to lose weight and it's something that is so connected to our bodies so metabolically that it affects our brain and the way our brain functions. This book is just so, I, I don't know, Did you, when you when you started this diet, did you really think you would be helping people with mental diseases like drinking too much or, so, you know, drug addictions. and No. So even to take that a step further, I, I could say six months ago, I wasn't very confident about helping people with those things. Lauren, you and I have had this talk. It, when, when we yeah, do a discovery yeah. call or a one-on-one -on -one and somebody's on SSRIs, I, I almost panic. It, it's like, 
I want to tell them to stop taking those damn things, but you, you deal with these people and, and they are adamant that they need those drugs to be normal, that they are absolutely helping them, except the longer people are on them, the less it's really helping, but they, they can't seem to let go. Lauren, do you deal with that a lot? Yes. Well, even just yesterday, I'm working with someone who has pretty severe kidney disease and come to find out she's on five different psych, you know, psychoactive, you know, drugs. So I, and then when I did the research and I looked at, can these be affecting the kidneys? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. A handful of them that she's on directly affect the kidneys. So there's this whole, you know, we have someone that we're, that we're working with and we're thinking that we're working with them on this one particular thing. So thank goodness we have a list of medications that we have people list because had, you know, most people wouldn't even think to ask, well, what kind of drugs are you on and could it be affecting this? And they, it absolutely does. So, so yeah, th- I mean, this, I'm, I'm seeing it all over the place. This book I'm a little mixed on. I, I don't think it, it's certainly not one of my favorites. It, it, I don't, the, the writing is a little clunky for me. It's a little hard to get through, but overall mm. it may be one of the most important books I've read. Again, it's hard for me I to do make think a, it's, a, a, it's hard to understand. It, it is. It's it's not, you know, when, when you read a book by like Jason Fung, he is so good at writing and making it very understandable and easy reading. And this book yeah, is but not. I do think he is like doing something that's outside Absolutely. of the norm, you know, for the I, medical community. So he really has, he feels like he really got to cover all of his bases, I think. Well, when he, it. When he's doing this. Yeah, and and he. You also have to remember it's very possible that in this book specifically, because it's about mental illness, this may be the first health book somebody reads. Whereas coming from our perspective, I feel like he could have skipped about seventy-five percent of the material covered because we, you know, the people who read these kind of books, we know all that already. You know, I want to get onto this mental mm-hmm. health stuff, and he really takes a long time setting everything up. And, and it, was, it was kind of difficult reading for me, and I read a lot. But again, I'll go back to this may be the most important book I've read because this was an area that I wasn't very confident in. You know, we, we, for some reason, we've always treated the brain differently than every other organ, and I think we should stop that. I think we were completely wrong to treat the brain differently. It's just another organ. And yes, it is absolutely impacted by what we eat every day and our metabolism. And now I have the confidence to, to, to tell somebody, no, you absolutely should not be taking that SSRI. The one thing that he really kind of gets to is that the brain is the organ that's telling us what we want. So as the brain becomes more insulin resistant, it is telling us to eat more yeah. and more sugar, more carbohydrates, because that's what the brain is wanting. And so it's like this loop, this this bad, this, I don't know, like toilet bowl. I can't des- describe it, of this down downhill because right. the brain is telling the body to eat something that's not good for it because the brain is wanting this sugar and it just it's such a it's such an amazing deal. But 
you know, my, my deal is this alcohol thing. I, I was such a drinker that when I started the ketogenic diet, there was the one thing that I, I, like, I got to give up beer. I this, know. This is I know. the one thing I don't want to give up. <laughs> right. And, and I convinced myself to stop drinking beer. And, but I had a plan because I, I did a little bit of research that, hey, if I drink whiskey or vodka, <laughs> right. I can go ahead and drink those because they're very low carbohydrates. Exactly. But, you know, the first year, in the first year, towards the end of the first year of my ketogenic diet, it started to taste like medicine almost. Yep. Almost like I had, because I always drink whiskey and it had like a nice almondy flavor to me. Right. And, at the towards the end, I cannot. I don't even like the taste, and I I, I still drink. Don't don't get me wrong. I still have a few drinks, but it, it's not to go. It, it just doesn't go too far. But I I I do not get the same feedback like I used to. That I would. This I would is get so this common. Warm feeling. Yep. This, and it, he talks about this directly in the book that the alcohol affects these reward centers in our brain. And that it is just like maybe yeast extract or MSG, the exact same thing is being affected, that it's giving you this bad information. Hey, this is really good right. because it's touching on those on-off switches that say this was this is really tasting good, just like MSG does. You put MSG on uh, yeah. a dog turd, you can probably <laughs> enjoy that. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's interesting, and... You just experienced it. This is a very common thing. The healthier we get, it feels and seems like it's very common for our body to start rejecting alcohol. Absolutely. It either makes us feel bad, it it doesn't taste good, we don't get that same. I've said this so many times. I I, I do not, will not call myself a non-drinker yet. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll get there someday. I don't know. I, 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 I'm fighting it. I don't want to give that up completely. But the, the longer I go and the more experiences I have with it, the more I think maybe I should just quit. Um, you know, doing it once in a while. I, way, I, Kevin. I, 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 I sit down and I think, oh, this is such a great wine. I love this. And I open the bottle and it doesn't smell as good as I remember it. You know, I don't get that same feeling when I open the bottle and pour a glass. And then I start drinking it, and sometimes I can't even finish. I can't even finish a glass. It tastes awful. I start feeling bad right away. And then, dummy me, I start looking around for some kind of alcohol that doesn't do that. Oh, look, this this cider works. I, I don't feel so bad, and it tastes good. Well, you know what? After a couple months of that then the cider wasn't tasting very good and I don't feel good when I drink it. And I'm like, why do I keep doing this? I, I experienced the exact same thing. And, you know, just the, I went to a wedding a weekend ago, maybe two weekends ago, I guess. And, you know, usually at weddings, I, just, I, I would typically drink way too much. I would, it would be, you know, planned out that I didn't have to work the next yeah, day right. and I didn't have to worry about getting up the next day. But, you know, I got to a point, like, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I, you know, I had maybe two or three drinks and I was like, this isn't, and I don't need anymore. There's, there's no need to take it any further. And it was just this, and I'm not some come to Jesus guy that no, says, not at oh, all. no, I'm it. holier right. than thou. Right. I, that is not it at all. It's just that 
I don't need that. That feedback, that that good feedback, does not come to me. And oh, I I I watched a podcast of Andrew Huberman. I don't know if you know who he is, but he interviewed Chris Palmer. And in this interview, he talked about this lady. Her name is Nora Volkar, and she is a neuroscientist, and she is doing testing on the ketogenic diet for alcoholism specifically. So I have had this thought so many times, just like we were talking with Forrest. The last thing I need is one more idea. But I've said many times on the air, I'm fascinated by addiction. I have been for a long time. I, I've watched every episode of Intervention, all 32 seasons or however many there are now. Um, I've watched every episode of Intervention Canada, which, which is another, you know, six or seven, however many seasons they have. Um, I, I read about it. I've read, I would venture to say, I bet I've read at least 50 memoirs of people who were addicted to something, whether it was alcohol or cocaine or opioids or meth or whatever, and then they they recovered and saved themselves. I, I'm fascinated by the topic. I am absolutely convinced that I could take what are the best practices out there right now for for addiction, the things that actually work, and their track record is horrible, by the way. The, the addiction centers, no matter what the substance is, the numbers are horrendous. They're not very successful at all. But there are some things out there that work better than others. I, I am completely convinced I could take the best model that's out there now, add in the nutrition the way we teach it and the stress protocols, and we could have one of the most successful systems, I believe, that there is. I, actually, I, I agree totally. I, you know, the, the, the consequences when you do go off, I don't know if alcoholism is, it would be like as severe as like depression or bipolar disorder and stuff that Chris talks about. But I, I know there would be some repercussion, you know, for an addict or a, you know, a person who misuses alcohol and stuff. Yeah. There, it, you know, there, they say... Go ahead. I was just going to say that that's that Chris Palmer talks about. That's how he gets people to adhere to his ketogenic diet is because, you know, the consequences when you have a mental disease that are a very severe mental disorder that, uh, you know, when you go off of the diet and you don't have meds, you know, they they suffer a really bad, you know, relapse, I guess. Yeah, and and that's kind of what, you know, makes us a little nervous about working with people on on these issues and and then, you know, trying to get them to stop the medications. It, there are some, you know, pretty nasty side effects sometimes. But I, but I after reading the book, I'm I'm really glad he wrote the book. Uh, I'm far more confident that no matter how bad those side effects are, the right way to approach this is diet, not drugs. It, the brain is just no different than any other organ. We're, we're killing our brain with, with horrible nutrition and, and non-food the same way we're affecting our heart and our lungs and our kidneys and our, our liver. And it's no different. And, and we should stop thinking of it as being different. It's just not. And I think if by feeding the brain correctly, 
and not just giving it what it wants, which is carbohydrates or glucose, yeah. uh, by feeding it the ketones and, and making the rest of the body more metabolically healthy, that's what makes the brain more healthy. And then the brain starts signaling the body correctly yeah. to, hey, we don't like this. Hey, yes, we do like this. And you get those signals clearly. You know, this is another example of what I've been saying for a long time. We can make this issue of health unbelievably complicated. When you start studying things like the Krebs cycle and how it affects metabolism, or you, you study how the liver actually functions and all the 500 things that it does, or how your kidneys work or your lungs work, or you could study this stuff for the rest of your life and still not understand it all. But the next sentence should be, but the owner's manual for our body should only be a page long. I, I don't care how complicated our body is. The answer to being healthy is really simple. It's your diet. You know, we can go into lifestyle and all that other stuff, but it, it all starts with diet. It, and it's not complicated at all. Fixing our brain is no harder than fixing our liver, our heart. Our, it, 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 it's the same thing. Eat the food our, the human body was designed to eat, and everything else will follow. Absolutely. Just buy into it. I mean, you're the only person that cares about you, really. I mean, that, I think that's the main thing that people have to understand about. You just have to, you just have to buy into this, that what you put in your mouth makes you who you are and, and not, you know, it's not all about, it's maybe a little bit about genetics, but the not food much. that you put in your mouth builds you and your brain. Yeah. But I wish people would open their eyes. You know, you talked about this. I watched that uh, video, you know, what is it called? Uh, of Die Suddenly. Oh, yeah. And about the whole population control. Well, we don't have to look any further than what the diabetes epi epidemic in the United States is. Or yes. around the world. Yeah. They, they are curbing the population by your doctor saying, oh, just keep doing what you're doing. Take this medicine. It'll lower your diabetes or your blood sugar, and you'll be doing just fine. Oh, but don't worry about that insulin that it's jack, jacking up in you because that's really the thing that's killing you. That's right. making your cancer grow, making your blood pressure go up, all of those things. Oh, we're not going to worry about that because we're getting your blood sugar down. On your GPO, whatever those yeah. new drugs are that they got. Yeah. Well, it, my mom is a diabetic. She is a ter She is on. In she's a type two diabetic that's on insulin. And you know, I talk to her about this stuff all the time. Please, mom. You know, just don't eat that. You know, certain food. You know, try to be a carnivore. Try oh high. Or my mom always tells me, don't worry about it. The doctor says. Just keep doing what I'm doing. Take my medication. You yep. know what she is? She is their 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 payment on their bin. Yes, she uh, their big house, their yeah. golf course. Exactly. They don't care about her. All they care about is that she, that her Medicare pays their bin payment. Yeah, and that's all they care. And we have to take this back. We have to take control of our health, and each and every one of us has to do it for ourselves because nobody else is going to do it for us. We have to do it. 
we have to step up and to the plate and say, hey, I'm going to eat the correct food that my body is designed to digest. You know, he- and maybe I will start to get better. Here's the exciting thing about this, and if I could, I wish I could figure out a better way to get this message out. You know, we we went through that thing a couple years ago. Remember the um, um, oh, I, Occupy Wall Street. Remember that whole thing, and talking about the one oh, yeah. percent of the richest people in the world who are controlling everything. And I, I'm not even going to argue that point or go down that that rabbit hole. But here's the thing. None of us are going to become that 1% when it comes to money. The odds of that happening, I I understand money really, really well. The odds of any of us ever becoming the 1% slim to none. And, And you would have to give up a lot of other things to make that happen. So even if you could make it happen, I'll tell you right now, it's not worth it. But here's the exciting thing. What's more important than money in our life, really? Health, by far. And every one of us can become the top 1% of the healthiest people in the world. That isn't even that difficult. You know, it's going to get easier and easier the sicker and sicker people get. Exactly. And the more resources there are to do it. Look at the foods that are available today that weren't available eight years ago when we started this. Look at all of the regenerative farms that, that have popped up in the last decade. This is getting easier to do. And, and I wish I could figure out a way to get that message across. You could become the top 1% of, of the healthiest people in the world, and it's not even that difficult. Yep. Yeah. I totally agree, Kevin. We just got to convince more people. I know. We just have to keep doing what we're doing, I guess. Hey, good stuff. Thank you, Kevin. Have All right. Good day. Thanks for the call. All right, Angie, we're at 11 o'clock. Don't take any more calls. Oh, we have one coming in. <laughs> one snuck in under the wire. We're going to take. Go ahead and, and screen that last one. Uh, and, and then that will absolutely be the last one. So if you're thinking about dialing, don't. Um, we will take this last call, though. Uh, so, Lauren, while, uh, while Angie's screening that, any final words? Or maybe we should wait till after we finish this call. That could change things. <laughs> yeah, it could change things. There's, there's we'll always up. Oh, did we? Oh, he was in the screening room. Then he was out. Now he's back in. Wonder if she's having problems with the call. Let's, uh, let's give it just a minute here. So, did you get right. a chance to finish Brain Energy? I think you said you had started it. Right? No. I had started listening to um, the author uh, on the several podcasts, which okay. I thought was interesting. I, that, I typically like to do that. That might um, be a better while, approach while I'm waiting to this for the book. book. Yeah, because like I said, this one is not. It sounds like it's not going to make my favorites list. Not for not for you know a book recommendation. Now I would tell anybody who suffers from any of these conditions: anxiety, depression bipolar addiction, any of those work your way through the book 
as painful as it might be, you mm-hmm. should listen to this book or read it from start to finish. Um, for, but if, if you're if you're not suffering from those things, you've already cleaned up your diet. It, it, this isn't a book you really need to read. Um, it, it's it's not really Bye. easy reading. It's um, it is interesting. It, for for you and I, I think it's really big because this is an area we struggle with when we work with people. Mm-hmm. I know exactly, but it was interesting. Uh, I Tim Ferriss interviews the author, and Tim Ferriss is great. He always ends up. I, I, everyone always gets emotional when they talk yeah. to Tim, yeah. <laughs> which which I love. He he seems to bring out things that most people interviewing don't. So I really enjoyed that one. And then Chris Kresser also interviews the the author of Brain Energy. And um, Chris is pretty to the point. He likes to, you know, he's the kind of guy who likes to read through, um, you know, research papers and stuff like that and provide all the proper links. So he kind of just gets to the point. So if someone's interested, uh, they can listen to Chris Kresser talk to him, which was, you know, also interesting. But I do have the book coming. It's still not here. Oh, <laughs> I can't okay. believe it's not here yet. We um, we do yeah. have a request in to get him on our show. I, I see he's hitting all the really big podcasts. He's been a popular guy since his book came out. So I imagine it may be a while till yeah. he gets to ours. But we do have a request. Oh, nice. Uh, good, because I've actually started creating a list of questions for yeah, him. Yeah, good. We'll, we'll see if we can get him on. Um, our caller's gone. He wanted us to share all the ways to find us. That's a, that's an interesting oh. topic, and it okay. is about to change soon, um, in less than two weeks. We're going to start making some pretty major changes to a lot of our infrastructure. Um, we're going to simplify um, we're getting rid of sites. We're getting rid of logins. We're consolidating. Uh, I might as well just go ahead and start letting the cat out of the bag now so people can get ready for this. And we don't even have all the final answers. We, we have a meeting scheduled for the end of this week to go over some of this. It's Aaron and I have been working on this a lot in the background, and we need to bring the, the rest of the team into this. Uh, so some of what you're about to hear, the team hasn't even heard yet. Um, we will be combining the two tribes. That's going to become one site. And I'm really, really excited about that. The reason, the only reason it was ever two sites was because we, um, we, we couldn't create the proper navigation with the infrastructure we had to make two, two totally different topics work well together. You know, we have some people that, just love the health stuff. We have some people who just love the trucking stuff. They don't want to see the rest of it. And there was just no good way when we created the first tribe site to make that happen. So we separated it into two sites. It wasn't the way I wanted to do it. It was our only real solution at the time. Our infrastructure is changing now where we have more flexibility on how we build um, our website. So we will be getting rid of um, or, or moving Let's Truck University. All that's there are our courses. 
Um, and that's a separate login and a separate site you have to keep track of and a separate site we have to market. And so all of the courses will be in the tribe site now and the two tribes will be together in the same site. So three of our websites are merging into one. That's a, a really big deal. And it's going to start on December 8th. It's probably going to take us three or four months to do the total transition. We're going to try to make it as easy, as seamless as possible. We're going to be coming up with new pricing and new memberships. And um, we're, we're excited about that. We don't even have the details yet. We've been working on them. We're getting closer. Uh, but things will start changing um, December 8th. The other big change, I am, I am really, I could say I'm completely off Facebook now. I, I used to say I wasn't posting, but I was scrolling Facebook, looking for ideas and seeing what was happening and what people were talking about. I, I've totally replaced that with Twitter. I, I'm having so much fun on Twitter right now. It is hilarious watching what's happening. And, and you know, Forrest made a comment. I almost jumped in. We just had so much to talk about. He said, you, you probably either have time or money, but not both. Um, the one guy that seems to have incredible amounts of both, and I don't know how he does it, is Elon Musk. I, I, I just don't even yeah. understand the guy. Um, he's definitely different. But when you look at the companies he's created and, you know, still is very hands-on with Tesla, it's a pretty big deal running an entire automobile company. And Tesla is the number one seller in all the highest um, income zip codes in the country. Number one seller. That That's pretty incredible. Um, SpaceX, holy cow, the guy's stopped doing stuff that NASA hasn't been able to do in five decades. NASA still can't bring one of their rocket boosters back and land it. They have to splash down in the ocean and we lose most of it and have to start over again. How did he manage that? He's He's got a company called The Boring Company, hardly anybody ever talks about, building hyperloops underground, you know, traveling at three and 400 miles an hour underground. Nobody even hardly ever talks about that. Um, I'm probably missing a couple companies here. And then he decides to buy Twitter, and he's on Twitter all day long. I, he is tweeting constantly yeah. <laughs> now, and it's kind of funny. I'm like, where does the guy come up with the time to do all this? Uh, and for the most part, he's running Twitter right now. I mean, he hasn't hired a CEO. He's doing it himself. So somehow he's managed to have more money and time than everybody else on the planet. I don't know how. So Twitter is actually a good place to follow me right now. Um, probably one of the better places. Oh, the other big change coming to tribes that we're excited about. We had to make tribes paid to get rid of all the trolls and, and the junk. Um, we kept it really, really reasonable, three bucks a month, because it wasn't about making money. It was just about keeping the trolls out. With this new architecture, not only will we be combining courses and both tribes, we will now be able to offer a free version of that site. We can go back to a free version. I will have to deal with some trolls and some stuff, but I don't, I don't think it'll be a big deal. And of course, the amount of information you're going to be able to access on the free account will be somewhat limited. 
but you'll still be able to see what we do and what we're all about before you have to subscribe to something and pay money. So we will be maintaining a, a free part of the new site, which right now isn't even possible for us. So that's uh, another big change. So really most of, most of my work going forward will be in the tribe site itself, which will become our main site, um, Twitter, which I have been spending a lot of time on, and I think it is really powerful. Um, I, I probably tweet five to 10 times a day right now. I mean, I've been pretty active on there. And, and I, my, the followers are growing, and a lot of people that you know have been around for a long time are now on Twitter. So um, here's another reason I'm encouraging people, no matter what you think of Twitter, you should go join anyway. It's the only big tech company that is really, really pushing for true freedom of speech. All the rest are heavily censored. They have been. We can prove it. We know it happens. It's wrong. Um, the one guy who is truly fighting for free speech, I think we should all support him. Uh, I signed up for the eight buck a month thing, the blue check. I could care less about that blue check. I just thought, I have no problem giving him eight bucks a month with everything he's doing. Forget that he's improving Twitter. He's actually fighting so that we're allowed to say whatever the hell we want to say online and somebody can't call it misinformation and delete us. And that's a big issue for me. So Twitter is a big part. But going forward, all of my work is on the website, you know, Posting content, answering questions, same with Twitter, posting content, interacting with people, and then my shows every day, the, the content on the shows. Um, everything else that I normally do, I'm going to have to try giving to other people. Um, going forward, I just see my role as just creating a lot of content and, and answering a lot of questions. And it will be in those three places, our site, Twitter, and on the show. And, and we do plan on doing more video. I, I've kind of ignored the whole video aspect of this stuff, and it's only because I just don't like video. I don't even really like audio. I'd like to read. I can get through so much more material so much faster. If I have to watch a video, and you can't really jump around. You know, if you try to jump around or fast forward, you're going to miss something. So for me to sit still and watch a video as part of my research doesn't happen very often at all. But I do realize that a lot of people really like video and, and our message on video will, will probably work pretty well. So um, we are working on building a, uh, a video studio that is an active project of mine. Uh, so Another good way to stay in touch with what we're doing, go to uh, letstruck.com, and at the bottom, just sign up for our newsletter. We don't send stuff out very often. We do not abuse the email system. We have probably, I don't even know, 100,000 email addresses or something. Uh, it's a lot. Um, we don't abuse that. We don't email every day. We certainly don't email every week. There are sometimes you might not get anything you know, from our email for a month. Um, we may increase that some, but that's a good way to stay in touch with us. Anything else you can think of? Twitter, um, letstruck.com. Right mm -hmm. now it's healthytribe.com and truckingtribe.com. That's going to be merged. Yeah. Uh, 
And then we have we do Facebook Lives at three o'clock on there Wednesdays now. That's right. And Instagram, we post. You know, we announce the the guests for the show and any kind of um, specials that are going on in the store, as well as Lauren's plate, which is uh, some inspiration for your plate. Um, I think that covers it. Good. Good. Yeah, we're 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 kind of all over the place, and, and we're working on that. We're really going to consolidate and kind of tighten up that message, and you know, you will start to see the 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 same message in different places who are reaching different people. But uh, we're certainly out there, and we've been pretty active creating a lot of content. Definitely. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Um, it's been another long show. That's something else I've got to work on. Um, as we finish up our broadcast app and we're able to have other hosts doing shows on their own, um, I, once we have that, then I will sit down and set a a definite schedule for me right now. We start at eight o'clock every morning. We never know when we're going to end. You know, I, I, I always commit to at least an hour and that certainly flies by, um, three hours really should kind of be my limit. Uh, we're already past three hours again today. Um, and it may turn out to be that I, I do more of like an hour and a half or two hour shows every day. And then I do more recorded stuff. Um, doing more recorded shows allows me to really focus in on a topic and get all my points across. Uh, so once we've got the broadcast app built out, then then I'll sit down and, and uh, create a, a more permanent schedule for shows. Got it. Good stuff. All, All right. good stuff. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. I've got a lot to get on to my day. I know you do too. So uh, let's see. Tomorrow is a free-for-all and rolling toe. I'm not sure if I've heard yet on Friday. Um, I'm hoping we can get both John and Joel in. We'll see. Uh, so we will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.